Well, hello there, boys, girls, and betweeners. Welcome to yet another episode of the Pointless Podcast. I'm whispering because it is Hollow's Eve, and I'm not trying to disturb the ghosts and the ghouls and the goblins, and I don't want neighborhood children to know that I'm home and eating all the king-size candy that I bought off Amazon for myself. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace, they've got an elegant interface, beautiful templates, 24-7 customer support, and you can start by building your website today at squarespace.com by entering the offer code POINTLESS at checkout and get 10% off. Again, that's POINTLESS. Put that in at checkout, save your 10%, and use Squarespace and build it beautiful. My guest today on the old podcast is an old friend of mine. Uh, I shouldn't have to intro him. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you know who he is, but why take things for granted in this world? Lord knows I have in the past. Uh, he is a producer. He was the editor-in-chief at Rev3 Games. Of course, he was the host and the producer of X-Play. He's a writer. Uh, he was the editor-in-chief at, of all game content at G4 as well. Uh, the man is a TV and gaming legend, a journalist, uh, a, a brilliant, fun, adorable mind and face. The, the adorableness extends well past his mind. It's Adam Sessler, guys. I've been waiting for this podcast for a long while. Uh, Adam was in town promoting a bunch of stuff. We sat down, we chit-chatted, we get right to the G4 goodness, and then we uh, top it all off with some wonderful games discussion and raising awareness for his Kickstarter campaign and talking about his movie. Just uh, he, He's got his hands in several cookie jars at the moment. Is that a way to use that phrase? I don't fucking know. But the point is, I love the man, had a great chat with him, and I think you'll enjoy it. And before we hop into that, I want to say this. Well, it's I'm asking this. I'm sa- I mean, I guess I'm still technically saying it, but I'm asking it. I want to know if you're a tech, pro- tech professional and if you're searching for a new company to share your tech skills with. Did you just perk up? Did you raise your hand and hit it on the, the roof of your car? Well, you should check out Hired. Hired connects talent with top tech companies. And on Hired, software engineers and designers can get five-plus interviews each and every week. They work with over 2,500 companies. We're talking startups, all the way to large public companies, and employers from 12 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. So you are bound to find the right position for you. And if you use this link, I'm going to give it to you right now. Hired.com slash pointless podcast. Again, that's hired.com slash pointless podcast. If you do that and sign up, they will double the bonus when you accept a job. So they will double a $2,000 thank you bonus when you sign up at hired.com slash pointless podcast. And now, if you're not looking for a job, but you know somebody who is, and I can pretty much guarantee someone you know is, you can refer them to Hired and get a elite bonus when they accept a job as well. That's $1,337. That goes to you just for referring a friend and helping them out by getting them a job. So go to Hired.com slash Pointless Podcast right now. Get on over there. Double the $2,000 thank you bonus and get yourself an awesome job because you deserve it. You're adorable. and Your magic is real. Now here's the Pointless Podcast with Adam Sessler. This podcast should be America. 110% fucking blood red America. The NDAA. Everybody slaying vagina. Cyborg Jesus. Jesus America. You were doing the no pants thing for a minute, if I recall. Oh, you know, I was was doing it quite actively the summer of uh, uh, departure. 
as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> the summer of departure. What year was that? It's been so it was, long, was, I literally was, can't it remember. Was, it, was, it was 2012. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a balmy of, summer. Yeah, it was, in it was April of 2012. Um, what was, I think I ended up doing something. Uh, it was Guy Branham's show. And he asked some kind of question. And I was like, well, I got I like to call lefted. Whereas I, I left, but it was other people that did the leaving on my behalf. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is, I think, how I broke up with my last girlfriend. Right. I think is what you're describing. Really? You, you did a lefted? I think it was a lefted. Well, we're going to get into the Yeah, I want to know how that. that works for you. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out, and I think she is too. I think, <laughs> I think I'm responsible for some tears in therapy. Um, Adam Sessler, mm-hmm. my dear fucking lord. I don't get I, – I, I, it's arrhythmia at this point now. It is, it is beaten. This thing is thumping okay, well, we through my chest. Through. I am fucking I'm, – I'm amped up, and I don't get that way. I am nervous about this podcast because I feel like – there needs to be the warning that you get at an amusement park about hands and feet inside the ride. Make sure the lap bar is down because I don't want to go flying out of this thing. But I know we got some shit to talk about. We have my a friend. lot to talk about. It's been a long while. First of all, you look good. Well, thank you. You sound good. You look good. Thank you, sir. I said it to hear it, so I'm glad you delivered. I've been following all the projects. I know you're busy. You seem happily busy. Yes, it's a good busy. Okay. This is a good busy. So all that is great. All that is awesome. But we got a history, my friend. Yes, we do. There are some things to go yes, over. Yes, Should we talk about the first time G4 fucked you when it was moving <laughs> from SF to LA? Or should we get right to the final bend over? I mean, Where I, do you want to go? You know, it's funny. The, the, the moving down to LA was, it was more just sort of traumatic. Because a lot of us at Tech TV, we, we had lives. You know, I had a girlfriend who is now my wife. But we weren't that far along in the relationship where it's like, I don't know. Do we keep this going? Do we not keep this right. going? And other people were in very long-term relationships. So we all kind of go down there. And that first day, who was the HR person? There was a couple at the time. Well, she had I a very recall. strong accent. Was it? And, but also... So Hala? Maybe. I, I, I remember more. It was these very aggressive leather boots that kind of like went up to the knee. And it was just, it was a new HR experience for me. Did you have it, your HR meeting at a place that just said massage? Yeah, there was that strip club around the corner. Yeah, yeah. That? Did she walk on you to seal the deal? Because that might have been a different thing. There were no hot stones in my HR meeting. Wait, and, let, me, let me go back yeah. for a second because you were at Tech TV in San Francisco. Right, right. And then there was this overnight acquisition, at least from our perspective. No, it was. It was, it was you know, someone we, showed we, up. We knew it was coming. We thought it was a handful of other, we thought it might be scripts, um, which we would have probably fit into well, but I would have probably been out of a job very quickly because they're nice and clean over there. I did a show for <laughs> scripts, yes. I know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it was not until very late in the game that we realized it was G4. And the funny thing was, Everyone on X play, it was almost like kind of like survivor's guilt. We knew that like, well, we're probably going to be okay. But so much of the stuff that was so endemic to tech TV, the, the more tech part of it, mm-hmm. like that was, it was, it was looking really questionable who, who else was going to make it down. And it was, it was familiar. Uh, familial is the word I'm going for, I think. Very familiar. It was the yeah. atmosphere there. It was like, it's one thing that people have their job and it's like, well, I hate certain coworkers and whatever, but you guys were a very tight-knit group. So. I, I had very few friends outside of Tech TV. Right. It was like, they were great, smart, fun people and we couldn't believe we were getting away with what we were getting away with and you kind of, you know, really start to find affection with other people when you're in that situation. So then, do they have a meeting where everybody's called into the, the studio? 
Yeah, and, and everyone knew. Yeah. So there was it was it was mainly gallows humor, and they pretty much said, "Yeah, that's it. You know, we're going to be. You know, people will be leaving over time." And we were kind of the skeleton crew because we were going to keep X Play going up until a certain point because we knew the show was going to get transferred down there. The question was, and my anxiety was, was all of my team going to get to go down? Because like we knew how to do that show, we had just succeeded with that show. We did not. I like the idea of working with a new group of people was terrifying. And oh god, now it's coming back. It was right before E3 of 2004. Um, I had made a deal with, well, you know Charles, yeah. and had said very adamantly, hey, I want you to offer a job to everyone on this. That's going to make me feel more comfortable coming down. And he agreed. There, there's no issue with that. And then the Sunday before, or the Sunday I was supposed to be flying down for E3, somehow like the jobs got posted because you had to reapply for the job you already had, and there was like four positions for X-Play, and none of them made any sense, and they were not, you know... And I was getting calls. I'm like, Adam, we thought you we had worked this out. And like, my, all the blood is just draining from my face. I remember I was, I was with Amber, and we were having dim sum. And I got on the phone, and she said, like, just the way my expression changed was just horrifying. And it then took another 72 hours for me to dig around, call my lawyer, and be like, what's going on? What's going on? It turned out it was a mistake, and the wrong people had posted the wrong jobs, and you know, no one had been communicating w with each other. But yeah, that was me. I'm happy to hear that because I do foot. know Charles and know, you know, and he he didn't have to come on attack of the show and apologize for yeah, the entire yeah, merger, no, yeah. which he did. Yeah, we, yeah. That, that was yeah, he did. He kudos did. to him. I, I tipped my bowler cap, but I would be surprised if he promised you something and then completely 180 no, on it. No, because that's no, not it, usually his and style. And it didn't make sense. I think also there was so much paranoia and anxiety sure. that everyone thought something like that might happen. I didn't know Charles that well, but I was actually trying to advocate on his behalf. Like, let, let's not look at everyone down there as an enemy just yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that happens, and I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? Yeah, I, I'll never forget the first day. I mean, I'll forget the specifics because – marijuana but the <laughs> overwhelming sense of when you guys first showed up at like the g4 campus and i remember like walking by and it's like uh, for me as a huge tech tv fan and a young pup yeah. at the network mm -hmm. who mistakenly became the banner for change and like the poster child for all I the know. hate i think it's worth pointing out to everyone if you go back to the old g4 kevin was a face on the network but he had not yet become the kevin Pereira God, no. of g4 i was a pa being paid as such and respected as such welcome to who was, cable yeah, television who was still hosting a show but i remember being so excited it was like oh the the, the campus from across town is being merged with ours and we're all going to go to high school together hey, why are they spitting at me? What is going? Why are they? They're frothing. Are they sharpening a spear? Did they just fashion a spear? Why do they need spears? Oh, I went on. What what, what was it? G4TV.com, the one that Keely yeah. and Tina. Well, yeah, it used to be Scott Rubin, yeah. Tina, and Laura, but and, then it became and Keely. I think I went on that in the first two weeks. And I can just say there are a few members of X-Play that were like, what are you doing? Going over to that show. Oh, you're crossing the line? Yeah. Sessler? You're exactly. stabbing? <laughs> <laughs> so from your perspective, was it... I mean, you you, you can often be level-headed about things. I know you're a passionate guy, but were you grab the pitch tor uh, the pitchforks and let's get the torches out because this is going to get nasty? No, I mean, I, I, I saw opportunity and potential. Um, you know, as much as I love tech TV, it wasn't until X-Play, which was almost, you know... There were two big shows that were supposed to really reinvent the network. That was um, Unscrewed, mm -hmm. and that was X-Play. Uh, I'm saying this without any resentment. Um, Unscrewed had all the attention, all the marketing, all the everything. X-Play, they're like, hey, we have a consultant. 
<laughs> who can help you out. Sure. And so we just tried to come up with some ideas, and we did it. We launched ahead of Unscrewed, and it was like, and I was terrified. I, I, I thought we had made a horrible, terrible m m mistake, and we're going to make asses of ourselves. The first show came in, in up. In what regard? From the creative of the show? Because or? we went from the very, very straightforward form of extended play to something that was very irreverent, mm -hmm. and we were now relying upon you know, our collective comedic skills and editing in a comedic way. The, these are very different skills than when you're doing a, a traditional magazine-style show. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know. I was really worried. Uh, the first show aired, and the Internet just hated it. At least that's what the comments said. And I was, like, getting, re I was getting really, really down. Uh, this is the comments in the G4 forums? Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> that's what you, yeah. I mean, hindsight, it's laughable. I mean, but I assume time... there was probably on GameFAQs, there was a, you know, they suck too. I mean, this sure. this was a common refrain. You know, everyone seems to miss G4 now. I'm like, well, where were you back then? <laughs> Not watching. I've seen the numbers. Not, <laughs> Not watching. watching. <laughs> um, so uh, about two weeks pass, and we get the ratings. And it was the highest ratings that it, anyone had seen. And it was like, oh, this is cool. Okay, now I'm starting to relax into this. Yeah. And I want to get to to the departure as well, but there's, <laughs> there is a lot of stuff that happened in between, and I don't want to sound like we're kicking the G4 horse on the no. ground because there were, for many years, it was a place where we were allowed to flourish, where we were allowed to create. We got to do some pretty cool oh, shit no. when, when someone when, else when, is done. When we were on this, at, at this other building and very sequestered from the rest of the, I guess at the time, the Comcast Entertainment yeah. Group, I mean, really, it was the inmates running the asylum, and that's how we got the desert episode, and that's how we got the zombie episode. Where it was, it was working. It was irreverent, and we got to do that. Mm -hmm. so. And you got the big crystal balls. You could see the future, which was amazing. Oh, you could predict balls. it. What happened with that, by the way? I, I think OSHA came by and said you can't put unanchored spherical glass objects on the floor of a workplace <laughs> behind your no, house. Under the intro, we're going to take a burlap, <laughs> burlap sack of marbles and just throw them out. We're going to be on roller skates. I remember awesome. when we were testing out the set. Someone thought it might be neat to see what happens if you put water and what that would do with the lights. Well, it was oil-based paint. And so, like, someone almost fell and broke their neck because they didn't realize there was water on this dark floor. Okay. <laughs> All right, so some, some hurdles here and there, yeah. some stumbling blocks. What was the high point for you at G4? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, this is it. I'm the king in this I, castle and amazing. I think it was the period of time when we were doing those, as we used to call them, these special episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be the zombie episode, the desert episode, yeah. Christmas the robot episode, episode well. the, yeah, yeah. the Christmas episode that aired all of twice. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club episode, when we were able to do those, I think, you know, and we were able to kind of indulge every crazy idea that we had. I mean, the, the way it would work, and you knew a lot of those guys. Someone would say something. Someone would then come up with a way to build on that. Then Mark Fahey would grab a guitar and make a song out of it. And that and we would come up with these crazy sketches. And we, at that time, we were able to fail. Like, you know, there was always going to be another show the next day. And then things did shift where you're under so much more scrutiny. And now everything is like, oh, I don't know. Are people going to get it? Are people not going to get it? Is it too inside? Is it not inside? Do people know that crazy reference Adam is making? I don't know. Is that going to make a difference? And what was that? Was that pressure coming from like a numbers game with the network? I, well, I mean, yeah. Or was there, it happening internally was on the definitely team? Definitely that. When we moved closer in with the Comcast Entertainment Group, yeah. and we were suddenly put into those offices with E, with style. And. I, you, you definitely got the sense that there was a lot more corporate oversight. And the people that were above you that were a lot more permissive suddenly had to answer to a lot more people that saw television in a very assembly line way. Mm -hmm. And almost, and I'll say it, with a cynical attitude towards what the audience wants. And the other thing is... Well, what the audience can comprehend. Exactly. <laughs> and that, you know, a lot of people, and I've said this many times, I'm not saying necessarily everyone at G4, 
But definitely, if you broaden it out to the larger what became NBC Universal, they didn't understand video games, and they were terrified of them. They saw it as an activity that precluded the watching of television. Yes, that's kind of true, but, you know, they also will watch stuff about video games to, you know, learn about things. Um, that's where I know questions were being asked that were causing changes in the shows to be able to appease them. I mean, that's, that's what happens in entertainment. Interesting. I remember distinctly there was a moment where they did – they spent a lot of money on a, a, a brand slash demographic research study that uh, I don't want to say the name of it in case it's out there at all. But it was an Excel spreadsheet that I saw that had the audience carved up into segments. Yeah. Just like the like the, the cuts of beef diagram yeah. on a cow. <laughs> and it was sort of like upstart metro hipster sports sporty nut guy. Uh, you know, metro what a, a metro artsy fart. And it was like all these categories. And it had things like favorite host, favorite uh, band, favorite superhero, favorite car, like whatever. And it was this dissection of the audience. And it's like, oh, we're now going to be hyper-focused on these verticals of the crowd. And they came, Kevin, what do you think? And they slid this Excel spreadsheet to me. And I was like, well, I think, and this is just me being in this demo that you're doing research on, that you have in a laboratory and you're poking and prodding. Um, I think I hate when someone tries to define me on a fucking Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> because I can tell you right now, my favorite host is in this category. I also love MMA, which would put me squarely in the sports nut thing. Like, for a car, I like a nice car. I might not be able to afford it, but I really like a nice car, and yeah. I'm not disdainful. It had, like, hates when people flaunt their wealth. I'm not mad at anybody who has a nice thing. I don't resent them for that. Good for them. And so it was bouncing all around, and I go, guys, this isn't something I like. And they're like, well, what would you do to the chart? It's like, well, okay. And so I reorganized some things. I changed some stuff. I handed it back. They're like, great, we're going to go with this. And they ran with that as their big brand research study. And that's when I knew, like, oh, we're in trouble. Because yeah. I clearly don't have all the answers. I am no. me. Yeah. I'm a very skewed perspective on who I am and who the demographic well, I mean, is. And I, and I think the trick always was, and when we were, it was all working so well, is when we were genuine. Yeah. When we weren't thinking that much about the audience, you know. I guess it's a little too field of dreamsy. But it's like, let's do it because we think it's good and hopefully other people will get on board with that. And I think that, especially now with Twitch, with YouTube and everything like that, being genuine and not acting like you're prepackaged to pander to a pre-designed audience um, is, is all the more important. And that's why I think you don't see magazine-style shows for young people on television. Right, right. And I do, it's funny because I'm... I, I deal with with uh, Neil Tiles, who was the president of G Four for a minute there while we were while we were there uh, for a long while actually a couple uh -huh. years. Uh, I deal with him a lot, so I get his perspective on things. And from a network standpoint, I think we were sort of in this catch twenty two of X Play and Attack were working. They were bringing in an audience that the network wanted to attract, but they really couldn't afford to take big enough swings, or apparently couldn't afford to promote it enough. Yeah. to bang the drum to get enough awareness there, so they had to bolster it with the cops, cheaters, and the campus PD. Well, and, and the cops and the cheaters, remember, this all started when we got the old Star Trek episodes. And yes. People were like, what are you doing? That was, and I've, I've talked about this, that was to get the average age up. The most important advertising you want as a television station is beer and cars. But if they think that the average viewer of your station is 16 years old, you're not buying beer and you're probably not buying a car. So that was to artificially increase it. And I know everyone complains about cops. Problem is, guys, cops got had really good numbers. Out of the numbers, I mean, it was it was a way to actually keep the station on the air, yep. uh, because people who are flipping channels, and this is true, you'll stop probably two seconds more on cops, 
And the conversion rate of those extra two seconds is so many more thousands of people, and that's how you get the ratings. Maybe you'll see that annoying lower third roll on out with our faces smiling, going, please stay around for our scraps. Please do. But, you know, the issue is that, yes, it bolstered the network and gave us a foundation with which we could live and exist, but there was zero cross-viewing. Like, someone who yeah. was sticking around for cops probably wasn't sticking around for the uh, yeah. Breakfast Club episode yeah. of X-Play with Gunpei yeah. Yokoi references. I mean, this was a problem that Spike even had to endure because their it's best ratings enduring. at one point were CSI reruns, mm -hmm. which was all female. Spike was not supposed to be pulling in that audience. They're advertising was Diesel not fuel for that. And exactly. L'Oreal. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> juggling, I mean, juggling chainsaws. By the way, have a heavy flow day, ladies. Whoa, whoa. That's a mixture of the advertising, Spike. What happened there? Yeah. I, no, no, the, the one thing I found really funny, and this is after I moved back to San Francisco, is we knew that with the X-Plane numbers, I mean, our uh, 18 to 35, which was the only demo, men 18 to 35 was the only demo they cared about. Uh, we were just cratering in those final years. But the 12 to 17, I mean, we were just beating the pants off of like stuff on Cartoon Network. I mean, we were doing really well. It just didn't matter because that's not who they wanted to sell to. The running joke that we always had is, well, they're going to turn 18 one of these days, <laughs> right. aren't they? I mean, maybe it's this year. Right. I also, moved. you could see the digital trend and that less people of that age bracket are watching cable anyway. So the fact yeah. that you're getting a younger demo, which is traditionally all digital viewing, yeah. that should speak to a good promising future. Exactly. Well, I moved back to San Francisco and the part of SF that I'm in, I'm near the uh, ubiquitous Academy of Art College. Oh. And oh. I noticed within days, and this is, this is a huge contrast to when I left San Francisco in 2004, I was like, hey, are you Adam Sessler? Are you Adam Sessler? I love your show. I grew up watching you, which is a wonderful sentiment, but man, it makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> I'm like, the guy switching our show was in diapers watching both of us. I know. When so you know your career spanned a childhood, that's really humbling. <laughs> and not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> and it suddenly occurred to me, they all turned 18. You know, I, I, was, I, was in, I was being confronted with all the 18-year-olds. Yeah, you got the wave of that demographic exactly. data shifting and, and being old enough to point you out on a street. Because I got to say, back when I was single and I was hosting television in San Francisco, you'd think I could like try to parlay that into some benefits with the ladies. No. A, it wasn't available in San Francisco. And if, I, you know, if you have to explain your case that you work on television right. for more than 15 seconds, then it's like, and it's about video games. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I get it. What channel is it on? Well, it depends on, I mean, are, do you, you're on Time Warner? Oh, then you don't get it. Uh, do you have cable? Yeah, you don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Are you paying extra for Telemundo? Because we might be bundled in with that package. Otherwise, you're not paying specifically mm -hmm. for it. Um, so let's, let's just get there because there's so much to talk about. Let's get there. What the fuck happened? I still don't know. During the rapture. Here's what I was told. Oh, Cool. Here's, here's what I heard. Okay. Uh, fourth and fifth hand. Uh, -huh. uh I come into work one day and it's, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you, did I hear? Did I hear what? Did you hear? No, a Adam, Adam. And I'm like, who did he bite? Cause that's immediate. Like he went to Marie calendars. He fucking snapped and he's gnawing on someone's face. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I assumed that you had stabbed Keeley. I just assumed he got an exclusive for a right, award show right. or whatever, and you just went full orange as a new black on him yeah. and shanked him. Well, it was so funny because there was so much competition between us and Spike in terms of getting those exclusives. Oh, yeah. But the minute I left, I went and had breakfast with Keeley, and we were both like, it's so nice not to have that thing between <laughs> us anymore. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And what I love, and I always said, too, because people would ask me, like, is there, are you guys feel competitive with, it was like, with mostly with Spike, and then there was some with some IGN at the time, and this, that, yeah. the other. I was like, 
No, I mean, don't be wrong. I want to fucking crush them and destroy them and make their eyes bleed professionally. Yeah. Personally, they're all awesome and doing a great job, and that inspires me to do better. Yeah. And it, that was always the sentiment behind closed doors. Like, fuckers, because they did something great. Well, yeah, now we got to exactly, do better. Exactly. We got to yeah, do something exactly. greater. So I love that tension. But I, when I got the Did You Hear About Adam, like uh -huh. everything went through my head. I did not know it was going to be that. And I'm trying to now piece the story back together. They probably told you I left. Uh, no, I heard that you were thinking about leaving. You were threatening to leave, what, mm -hmm. what I heard. But oh, then, I've, I've been wanting to do that for years. <laughs> okay, so, that's true. so that part is true. Yeah. So the message, the ones you were swelling in, in blood and of, urine on oh, your dressing room wall, that's real? threatening, no. I was just getting fed up okay. with what was happening with the show. Okay, well, what was going on? Paint a picture for me. <sighs> well, I mean, I, I was, mean, how open do you want to be about this, by the I way? Don't, I'm not going to name names because I don't think that's cool. It's not, um, well, it's not so, yeah, it's not yeah. pertinent. I just would like to hear your perspective. I mean, I, going back, I was burnout. And as I did sort of acknowledge uh, in that Kotaku piece I wrote last year, my wife had become very, very ill with mm -hmm. a very, very rare condition. And so I had these competing stresses in my life. And to be honest, I had thought about leaving right before she got sick. We were actually making plans to move back to San Francisco because it just, it just, there, there, there wasn't the satisfaction anymore. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I had to stay. It was fine. And there's still good stuff going on. You know, I tried to take on more editorial responsibilities. Editorial, yeah. And once again, that just became too much because, and I realized this then, because there was pressure, not within X-Play, but above, to compete with the exclusives that were happening at an IGN or there. Trying to do that, host a show, and try to be objective about games and game companies was just, it was just, it was, it was tearing me apart. And so I had finally decided to just pull back and try to relax and just kind of get through the next few years. But, you know, this show was declining. And I, I guess the thing is, it was something I was so emotionally involved with when it was in its heyday. It was something that I really, really cared about. And to sort of see it get manhandled through bad decisions and be blamed for our bad ratings, even though we were receiving what struck me as a modicum of support from like marketing yeah. or something like that inside of the station. It just made every day of going in and, you know, in those last two years, the show got so assembly line. You know, we weren't, you know, we would just go in, shoot all three episodes in one day and that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. And I'd show up on a few other days and do some interviews with people. Um, you know, it was, it was just getting disheartening. But what was funny is the previous year I really was fed up and then something changed at the very end of 2011. I just, I, I thought, you know, maybe there's a chance we can change this. 2012 starts. Now NBC has come in. Bonnie Hammer. I'm going to name that name. <laughs> has come in. Um, and she's made it very clear how much she doesn't like G4. Uh, that's where I knew something was wrong. And by the second week of January, the rumor was already going around that I was dead meat. Like I, I, you know, people say, hey, have you heard this rumor? Have you heard this rumor? There's a little bit of that. And then there are other people that looked at me like I had a contagious disease called unemployment. And they just put so, their masks on like yeah, a Japanese subway yeah. when you came near. It's like, no, Adam, just stay through the airlock. Shout me your request. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those where I was coming into work every day not knowing if the shoe was finally going to drop. Oof. And that was a four-month period. And I, I was – You had I, personal stress going on. Yeah. Plus the decline of this thing that you'd been emotionally attached yeah. to forever. Yeah. And you're coming in now and the rumors are circling around your head as yeah. are the vultures. Exactly. So I like, was trying to check out as much as possible. Sure. Trying to figure out, okay, where am I? You know, I really didn't know where to go next. And I think what was funny is right before it all happened, I became more convinced that the show itself – was going to get canceled. Mm. And I don't want to sound like a horrible person, but this might sound horrible. That, that felt better 
them being singled out as the individual and then just being yanked off the show. You know, that carries a lot less baggage than, hey, we're done with the show. You had a great run, kids. You know, right. thank you for everything. Um, and then about a week or two later, yeah, I was on set. We were taping. I got the email saying we're going to meet you in your dressing room, and I knew what was going to happen. I think at that point I still was confused. I'm like, okay, they're just going to tell me first that the show's canceled. And I then so you were still holding out to hope that it was. I think at that point I'm just in a slight panic. Right. Yeah, that I'm like, you know, my my wife is very good at trying to not have my brain go to the darkest place as quickly as possible, and so I was trying to think, okay, well maybe there's a middle road here of what's about to happen. Uh, and then they told Adam, me, look, we're going to deploy the golden parachute. <laughs> You're going to usher in a new era. It's going to be fantastic, yeah. and we'll give you everything you need on the way out. And that was the thing is that they actually also fired me on the wrong week. Wait, what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the story that I got, which because uh, I want to hear what happens after okay, this email yeah, with the conversation right, in the room. Right. The story that I got, in d it does involve you going to a room. It involves you being asked to leave the set. You know, and Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So you go to a dressing room. Uh, the story I heard involves, and this was with folks who apparently had like cups up to the dressing room door, and they were hearing muffled uh, like Snoopy-style shouting as if yeah. you're on the telephone with the principal or the teacher. Uh, they were shouting. Mm-hmm, yeah. And this is, one yeah. report had none of that. The other had lots of shouting, maybe a broken plate of glass, which I don't think there was a window in your dressing room, but I would love to believe that you threw a chair or a person mm, through it. No, uh, no. It involved uh, security guards escorting you to a car. I've been told, no, not to a car. I was told there was security there. I was so just out of it. Sure. Once this happened. Well, take me through it then. Yeah. You get the email. So I get the email. So I go into the room. They tell me the news. I have to ask a couple of questions. I get clarification. It's just me. They tell me that they're going to tell everyone I left of my own volition. <laughs> I love this one. They want to know if I want to make a statement. I'm like, no, I'm not going to make a statement. They're like, well, if you say anything, would you mind putting it through our PR? I'm like, no, I'm not you're, going to. You're firing <laughs> yeah, me. Exactly. Why do I want to run through your machine right now? Yeah, exactly. I like the silk pillow that they yeah. smothered oh, you I with. Oh, I know. I know. Like, exactly. We're going to tell people you left. <laughs> shh. Shh. It's a comfortable so, pillow on your face. If there was a raised voice, and there was definitely no screaming or like antics like that, um, I got very, very firm with them going, like, I've known about this for the past four months because you have people in your PR department that can't keep their mouths shut. And I named some names, and they kind of were like, well, that's not what really we're going to talk about here. I mean, they're, they're under no obligation to tell me why. I have ideas as to why. I still don't know why. At this point, I don't think I want to know why. Because mm. um, it's interesting. You're, you're getting nervous up there. I'm getting that little palpitation right here as I'm running through some of those memories. Well, do you have, I mean, do you think it was, was someone out to get you? Was the company in a transition? I do think that there was someone in senior management that hated me. And when they brought in the replacement for Neil, uh, you know, who's running it, I think, and also John Reiber and I, who I, I really liked, he had already been removed. And even though he and I didn't always see eye to eye, I don't think you rarely do in a situation like that, he, we, we kind of got each other. With him gone, someone, the last powerful person that could be my advocate was out of there. And that's when I had a pretty good feeling that something was going to come. Sure. And as a result, I think someone else who has some designs on me saw a very, very clear path to get me off the show. And, you know, I mean, in, in retrospect, I'm glad because I think you know, I didn't watch X-Play after that. I don't watch it anymore. It's, it's not something I enjoy doing. It's not. I, by the way, it's not. I don't know if anybody told you it's not on anymore. Yeah. Well, I did catch that. Oh, okay. I, was, I, I, I don't mean the one that told you that we took the dog out back behind the barn and shot. You're like, I don't watch anymore. I hope it's great. I hope everybody's doing well. Oh, sorry, Adam. The whole network's gone. Um. But, but so you think? Oh no! Someone... You, I remember when they when they made that announcement because I did go on Twitter because the the six months where I needed to keep my mouth shut was pretty much up. And I said, "Oh, now that G four has finally become a men's channel, maybe they can afford the set of balls to tell me why I was fired." Oh.
<laughs> so you think you know how many some- retweets I got off of that one? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I didn't know you had a six month gag order. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. Okay. So you think someone in senior management was just not a fan of you? Yeah. That came in from the new guard. Uh, no, old guard. Okay. Um, but because there was new people that they could get into the ear of, I think it made my exit all the more easy. So you think the they, they kind of poisoned the, the yeah. punch yeah. beneath you? That's what I think, yeah. And then so there was an uprising beneath you, which kind of edged and pushed. Yeah, and I mean, and- I think it was also, it's like, well, we got to fix the show. The show's not doing well. Let's blame Adam for it. And let's see if we you know have it slightly different, if maybe right. there's a chance it'll survive. Right. That's kind of the thinking. Whereas I do think... Most people saw it that way, that there may have been one or two people that had a little bit more of a deeper angle in, in, in what they wanted to have happen. But by your own admission, though, you were also pretty – you were trying to check out as well. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So it's like it, the, the, the – I needed that push out the door. Right. So That's I mean, what I was getting yeah, to. Yeah. I think – you know what was funny? I think what really got me – because, you know, that all happened. I made the announcement. There was a wonderful, warm reaction from many of my colleagues and friends and people who would watch the show. I got in a car a couple weeks later. And went up to San Francisco to see friends up here, well, up, up there. And then I got worried about you leaving. Yeah. And your month-long celebration. And I was like, oh, my God, they really hate me. <laughs> my I wasn't resentful of you. No, I know. You I know. deserved it. No, well, thank, well everybody in, deserved in, it. In contrast, it made things far more clear what their feelings were towards me and how sure. they wished. Like, they, they, they wanted to just not acknowledge that I had ever existed there in the first place. Oh, and the point was, is they were supposed to get rid of me and go on hiatus and come back at E3. They forgot there was one more week of shows after they got rid of me. Oh, that was when that's yeah. the, you go the wrong time? Yeah. So did they have to ask you to come back for the shows? Oh, or no. no. Okay, no, you no. were done. Yeah. You let... Okay. They just kind of like... It, 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 it was not... There was nothing elegant about this entire process. Sure. It sounded almost like they got excited and tried to do it as quickly as they could. Right. Yeah. Didn't you didn't tune into a single episode once no. you were done? No. What now? What's I mean, that? I wasn't really watching it because I didn't. That. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what was in the show, and it wasn't like, very good. I would so. walk right by the edit bay. I knew it was on air. It's fine. <laughs> you didn't watch it. Now, what was your? Because I had my rationale for watch not watching Attack of the Show, which for me it felt like, look, I had a very dramatic breakup, and I don't need to see who's dicking my ex. Like, I don't need to see yeah, who's in yeah. there. Like, I, I mean, didn't want to see who was doing it. It's, it's, it's that. It's like, no, at, at that point, because yeah, I hate to use the word trauma. There was enough kind of psychological, like, uh, about what happened. Sure. That seeing the logo was enough. Actually, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I was, at, later that year, about July, I went down to Australia. Uh, I was, I was the judge for this youth design competition that Microsoft has called Imagine Cup. It was great. I was in Sydney and stuff like that. And this was the point where I'm like, I'm starting to feel better. I'm halfway around the world. I'm really, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm going to fa- find a new gig and everything like that. And I was just walking around. I went to an art museum. Like, I'm going to go to that pub. Went into that pub, having a drink. I turn and I look at the TV. And there's Attack of the Show. <laughs> and, and the bartender, I remember coming up, and I can't do an Australian accent. He goes, are you okay, sir? I'm like, I need a drink. I need right now. And I need a third drink to throw out that television. It needs to go right through but, I mean, it the really, CRT. There, there, there was just, it took a few months for it to finally go away, but just that sense of like, yeah, you know, because it just carried so many memories. Yeah. And it was so complex. It was, but there was both affection for all the wonderful people I worked with totally. on X-Play and so much resentment for all the things that, you know, 
force that 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 circumstance completely i didn't show up to the final episode of my show i was like listen it's still a raw wound like it's still really it was like six or eight months later yeah and the, i didn't show i'm like it's, there, I, I there was a back channel request to see if i would do it and i'm like no i'm not yeah. i mean I, I i i after after what you did i don't want to look like that i'm giving you my blessing right yeah exactly i messaged everybody that i loved from that show at least as everybody that i could message yeah that I loved. i was like hey guys like congratulations amazing run heart yeah. you all not going to be there. Yeah. Don't need to show up for that. Don't need to do that dance again. It's, if I've it's, it's also, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's like when you watch Annie Hall. Yeah, the first lobster scene is really funny. And then when he tries to recreate it with the lady the next time, it's really sad and pathetic. I'm always trying to avoid the second lobster scene. <laughs> <laughs> so in that period when you left, was it, I mean, I know you said you were working on things you were trying to check out. You were obviously lining up other stuff as well. I was not lining up other stuff. I no? mean, that was the thing. I was being lazy and just checking out. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's productive, I mean, Adam. Also, I thought, it was, <laughs> I thought it was trapped in a contract that would be really tough to get myself out of. Mm. So it was – it had never occurred to did me Did they just that, find a loophole or did they pay you out? Or? Oh, they paid me out. Oh, they just paid you out. Yeah. So hence the six months of yeah. no talking. Of, of, of no pants and, and no talking. Exactly. Right. So Wow. So what were those six months? Were you – Oh, that was, I mean, I was immediately being approached by other outlets. Sure. You know, and. But like you, were you ping-ponging emotionally? Were you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tasting gunmetal, looking at the bottom it, of a bottle of Jim Beam. I mean, that, that's what it was. It's like, what's at the bottom of this bottle? Maybe this one has the treat and the magical surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> this worm will give me the answer. Glug, glug. Nope, just more sad. It was, it was a mixture of that and also really trying to understand what it was like to suddenly not have the responsibility of that show over me. Right. And that took. Just, you and I went out to dinner about a couple of weeks after I left, and I was forcing a sense of relaxation. But ever so often, I would have this epiphany where I'm like, hold on, I really, like, I don't have anything right now. I'm going to have a job a little ways out, but I don't have anything right now. Like, you haven't had that in 15 years. Right. Like, try to take advantage of it. And you have to train yourself to relax. And it's, it's really crazy. The last time I trained myself to relax, I went to Peru, did a bunch of ayahuasca, some huachuma, some vilca. Came right back and then got booked on two shows, started this thing and another startup. It was like, oh, I can't, nope, can't relax. Yeah. Can't do it. I'm just going to keep running and just avoid whatever, yeah. whatever, re whatever clarity <laughs> relaxation gives me. I'm not ready to face. Let's just keep running. Uh, after the six months, I mean, when did it, did it, did a switch flip for you and you adjusted and went, okay, this is the new me or the current me? I mean, there was probably about a few weeks. It was probably around the time of, when I was in Australia, uh, just because I think it was far enough away. But there was always like at least one or two calls with my agent to just see like where we were with the various opportunities and options that were out there. So it was never like perfect, perfect, but it was kind of nice sometimes to just wake up and know that like nothing needed to happen throughout the course of the day. Mm -hmm. I would probably end up doing something, but it was nice when it was my choice and it wasn't imposed on me. Right, right. And then revision three, that was a fun run. Yeah. Oh, no, that was good. Yeah. That was good. It's just, I mean, I, I got to tip my hat for what you do. Um, that the internet beast is scary and you got to feed it. Sure. And it is, it is, it is one that is made for younger metal than I. Well, that's what I'm slowly and painfully realizing <laughs> since March this year. It's like, what's your YouTube presence? I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't one platform at a time. Yeah. I can't, can't do it. I'm also not ready to date the internet again. Like, I feel like yeah. that's the level of intimacy you need to have. Yep for certain platforms and projects. And it's like, I'm just not ready yeah. to share. Like at sometimes I get inspired and I share very intimate details and share the minutia of my life. And mm -hmm. that's great. Other times, no, I don't want that. So to have a, a product or a brand that's predicated upon that. Yeah. I can't sign up for that now. That's a younger man's game. Than yeah, I, it, it, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, 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 
Man, yeah. I mean, it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's so many things I'm so proud of that was accomplished during a fairly short stint there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, it was, it really became clear that when I was leaving G4, I just didn't know what else I could do. So I went back to what I had done before. And as time went on, it's like, I really needed to just move on to something different altogether. Uh, it was, you know, that I just hadn't articulated that inside of my head. So then you started a consultant company, yeah? Yes, is that, yes. And I mean, is that what led to these two projects that we're going to discuss? Or? For the most part, um, not the film project, okay. but definitely for Friday the 13th. So, okay. um, so yeah. what was the idea behind the consultancy company? Um, it was, I've been looking at games and giving opinions on them for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and I just, you know, I, I love making good games. I mean, I, I, I just love good games. And... I know that there are times where you would like to have an outside set of eyes take a look on something. I mean, game development is so fundamentally different than other forms of entertainment. If you look at a movie, you know, most movies, you know, they're made over maybe eight to 12 months. But when it's in full production, when the staff is at its highest, that's probably three to four months. Mm -hmm. And then those people move on and they take on another project. Games everyone is kind of on this for two to three years. It's, it's, it's a much different dynamic and relationship. And it's not always like in LA where you have a lot of turnover and people can sort of pollinate from their experiences working on other things. So what can come as a result of that is you are looking at this thing, you know, day in, day out. And what you're seeing may not be what the player is going to see. And that sometimes you need to kind of pull back, see the forest, see the trees. Um, having said that, I have not had a single project that has been like the one that preceded it. That was what I planned on doing, and I've done it only like a couple of times. But um, consultancy is almost like in quotes. It's kind of the green pasture where elder game-related review types uh, sort of go. To, I am the wizard, and I will descend from my mountain <laughs> exactly. to bestow my vast <laughs> knowledge upon you. I have acquired it over years. <laughs> Pay it. Let's go. Yeah. Pay me. I'll lift the wizard robe, I'll waggle it around, and then I'll leave. I got exactly. it. Okay. Well, then the Friday the 13th, I mean, do you want to talk movie or Friday the 13th first? Because I don't want to get to that. Let's do Friday the 13th. Okay, because that Kickstarter, I, I, I heard some rumblings. I got some DMs from some other folks involved. Oh, nice. That something was happening. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was vague enough to not break, I'm sure, any NDAs or whatever else. But I got excited for it, and I knew this was going to be a thing. Then I saw the Kickstarter video, and I was like, oh, that's what it's like when a professional is involved. Oh, thank it you. It felt so good <laughs> to see you doing that, to see you looking uh, genuinely inspired and smiley. You yeah. know? Like, because I've been there. I've put on the Colgate smile a few times. <laughs> I've done some promos. Is the AC on, by the way? Are we, are we hotbox in this room? Is it getting warm in here? Is it, am I crazy? We'll check some I'm air. definitely a little schwitzy. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's that's just my natural Yeah, go. but it, there's no need for this to get moist. Yeah. Not for AC reasons, at least. <laughs> um, so I saw it and was like, okay, yeah, you're. this is this is the real deal. Tell me about the project from Genesis to Kickstarter. Like, what, what went down? Well, I mean, I wasn't there from the very beginning. But this is like one of the things where I'm like, this, this video is awesome because the story is so awesome. Sure. So this team, it's a mixture of Gun Media and this group, Ilphonic. They were working on a game called Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp. This was... You know, exactly what, you know, Friday the 13th is going to be. You know, seven counselors played by players and one killer played by a player. And, you know, it was right up to the line of what Friday the 13th was, but was still legal. It was right. obviously completely invoking that franchise. And obviously, he's a, a got a catcher's mask. Yeah. Uh, not a hockey mask. It's a completely different sport, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> so they were working on that, but they had also brought in Tom Savini, the great makeup artist. Yes. Um, who still remembers you interviewing him. Um, I, I chatted with him about that. And he was going to design the kills and the creature. They also brought on Kane Hodder, who played Jason in 7, 8, 9, and X, awesome, I believe. Dude. 
Awesome. And it really is the most definitive Jason. He was going to do the motion capture. Because they were working on it, they were chatting about it. And the gentleman, Sean S. Cunningham, the director of the first movie and the owner of the license, overheard. And he's like, what is that you say? They're like, oh, you should check this out. It's really cool. He takes a look at the game. And he's like, I've been waiting to give this license to the right game. This is it. Wow. You guys can have it gratis. I did not know that part yeah. of the tale. So that is, wow. and this is why I think it's important that that gets explained. That's why it's now in Kickstarter. So Slasher was funded mm -hmm. for its existence. Okay, now they just got this license that did not come with a bag of money attached to it. You know, obviously to serve the fans, to change the art, to make this, like, it has now become a much bigger game. Right. That's why we've gone back out to the public because honestly, we want to do this game right. And it wasn't like other options of funding were not explored, but in order to maintain the integrity. And that means like a lot of bloody violence, probably some, you know, flashes of skin, things like that, you know, where you and, show and, and reasonably so. Can you confirm Act One Kankel? <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to even get near Kankel. Okay, fair enough. Nowhere near Kankel. Is it, so wait, so you guys are, you, you're gunning for, this might be a T for teen, maybe an M for mature. Do we even know at this point? Um, if this is an M for mature, I'd be very surprised. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is that we did not want to be in a situation where we had to pull back and not give the fans what they legitimately think that oh, they Oh, so this deserve. might forego an ESRB? Or? Oh, no, no. It'd have to go through the ESRB. Okay. Yeah, at some point, that, that conversation is going to have. But we want to at least have the game that we want to present to them sure. rather than start to change it at the behest of other people who are financing Fair it. Okay. So, yeah. So you, I mean, that's... To know that the license was handed over yeah, is it's, it's, absolutely it, incredible. Isn't that just like your perfect, like, you work hard and you get, I mean, I, yep. like, it's a Horatio Alger story steeped in blood. I loved him on SNL. Uh, <laughs> that is amazing that it was just handed to you and I could see how it would then go, guys, oh, now we need, yeah. the orchestral score can't be MIDI. Maybe we need a oh, full orchestra. No, that's it. No, now we actually we have Harry Manfredini who did the, he's now doing the music for the game. So, I mean, we, a lot of people that are attached and have a lot of affection for this license because they worked on the originals mm -hmm. are now working on this game. I mean, it, it, it is that kind of a labor of love. So, the gameplay. Now, someone, when I saw it announced, people were uh, equally excited and, and concerned for asymmetrical gameplay. Right, right. Because it evokes, uh, what was it, Evolve and some other stuff right. where you've got, like, one big bad and everybody else is running around. Yes, it, it, it's very, very different in some fundamental ways. Um, and this is true of Evolve. This is true of Spies versus Mercs. And this is not a judgment against those styles because I, I worked with the Evolve I actually guys. really enjoyed I, I, Evolve I, I, as I a game. I really liked it. But those games, actually all multiplayer games for the most part, the resolution of the match is born through conflict. Like someone has to beat the others. Right. This is different. If you're playing a counselor, you need to escape. You need to make it through the night that will probably be accomplished far more easily without conflict. Mm. So I think people assume because you're, and it's, it's a completely fair assumption, seven counselors are not ganging up to kill Jason. In fact, if all seven counselors stay together in the same place, they're probably all going to die because Jason will know where to find all seven of them at once. Right. So that's the other thing. You're not working as a team. And more importantly, you have to make it through the night. All the counselors don't have to make it through the night. So there is both a need for some cooperation and probably some treachery. So you're going to be playing various archetypes from, you know, a, 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 a camp uh, horror movie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're going to have tough guy. You might have someone who is going to be far more skilled at fixing a car or fixing a boat because that's a means of escape. Then maybe you'll have a couple of other people that have to go get the parts to give to this guy so he can start to fix it faster. Someone who's got like a better scavenging ability or exactly. something like that. Something like oh, that. Wow. 
And so let's say you've got the boat and like the three of you are there, but there's only two seats in the boat. So that's the thing is that even though you may be cooperative with a player for some of the match, you may need to then get very selfish. And maybe you want to hang out with a guy who's a lot slower because if Jason shows up, well, it's laws of the jungle. He's going to go for the one <laughs> yes. that's closest to We're him. We're both going to mash sprint. One of yeah. you is going to become yes. entrails. So, I mean, it is theoretical that you could play the game without ever seeing Jason. You could play the game without seeing all of the other counselors. Mm -hmm. You could play the game uh, in just all these different ways. I think what's going to create is something that really is absent in a lot of multiplayer, which is a sense of narrative. That you can kind of, even though we'll not have a perfect beginning, middle, and an end, it's going to have sort of an ebb and flow and a change that you're not going to get in a lot of, like, especially shooter-based multiplayer where everything is so fast you barely know it happened before the next thing is happening. Right. Now, is it the same kind of summer camp map each round? No, it's, it's, it's Crystal Lake. So this is interesting. That, the, believe it or not, guys, there is a concept of what Crystal Lake is. And just to be clear, it's not just Camp Crystal Lake. That's parts one and two. Part three, there's a house and a barn. It, it, you know, it's a very large body of water. And if you watch the movies, one through four happen over a period of two to three weeks. So Jason is just walking just throughout the camp, just kind of killing everyone in his path. You again get a sense that there's obviously a wealthier area. You see that in seven because there's a dock and there's a boat. That actually might be eight. I might be getting these. No, I think... Seven and eight, you get to see, okay, there's wealthy stuff there. I know you're to call not. you out on this because the last time I saw these movies, I was a young I just young watched all of okay. them. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating tour of the 80s. I bet. I bet, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so plenty of square footage right. to play with it. And originally, that was the idea. They then started to look at that map and, and play test on it, and it's too big. Sure. It took too long for there to be, even though if you're playing as a counselor, you may not want confrontation. The game wants confrontation, yes. as does Jason. So now it's going to be a series of maps um, that are aspects of Crystal Lake. I wouldn't say it's a discrete section. These are all things that are going to be worked out over time. Sure. But that, you know, you'll have these things. Um, but also for that sense of narrative for you to to create a box around a yeah. certain area and go, well, this has the dock and the pier, so this is going to lend itself to the boat narrative. Whereas if everything was just there, players one through four might be working in one section to achieve a thing, but the other missing players might be in a completely different area. Which is still fine. And, and I think some of those maps will be set up for that. That, you know, you, you, you know, it's not saying that you all should or will work together or even find one another. And I think that's the kind of variety that makes it interesting. That you might just stumble upon another counselor and be like, okay, this might be convenient. I'm going to stay with him for a little bit. Yeah, that evokes that sort of that was. The, I mean, journey was sort of predicated on that. Am yeah. I going to run into someone? When and how? Yeah. Are they going to be friendly? Yes. Are they going to show me the path to have that on a level by level basis? Yeah, pretty fascinating. No, no. I mean, the, I, 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 I want this because I love horror movies, but also this raises some fascinating questions about design because for this to work, you need to run a little contrary to conventional wisdom. And I'd love to undo conventional wisdom because sure. I think we sometimes become too dependent upon it. Yeah. Uh, and from speaking of design challenges, like to communicate all the things that you can do within this world and the different roles of the counselors, um, how are you going to be able to like hold a player's hand without putting overt directions on the screen of like, is, go press X at the boat, you dum dum? Trust me, this is the question that is happening right now. I mean, where they are with the game, because some people have wondered, like, well, can we see more of the game? The game is in a state where we're just trying to experiment and figure out what are the various skills among the counselors. That's what you want to work on now. Obviously, we need to finish the Kickstarter, because then, okay, then we start to slap on the pretty and put on the Jason 
in all of that. But there's no need to go too fast in that direction until we know that we have the right dynamics working in the game. And the guys at Delphonic said that the most, the, the, the big moment for them is when playing the counselor did become as fun as playing Jason. Mm. And so we're, we're, we're kind of there. There's just a lot more refinement, you know, asking a lot of the questions, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's just so neat. It gets me so excited to think about all the questions and solutions that the sure. game presents. So what is your, are you a consultant on the title? Are you a producer? I, I th are you no, I wouldn't, I, we need to get through the Kickstarter first. <laughs> that determines <laughs> all the range of my skills. Got it. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just working on this Kickstarter, but with the idea that, yeah, I want to get more involved. Will sure. this be the only thing I work on? No, I'm just too ADD to be able to do something like that. Understandably. But even being involved as much as you are from the Kickstarter and seeing these, these discussions, you've been around gaming for so long. You've seen it from so many levels and from so many perspectives. Yeah. Does it give you... Uh, 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 did you already have the full understanding of what this process is, or do you have a new? Respect, oh no, I'm 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 I'm, I'm learning. I've already learned so much over the over the past month, yeah. and, and it's it's something. If you look at you know, because I I did a series of videos for Evolve and a series of videos for The Evil Within, and if you look at certain subtexts underneath it, and this is because I was you know, I was talking with them for a long time, and I was intuiting this in the later years of of, of covering the industry. Making games is so hard because it's almost like if you ask the Lumiere brothers to change film stock and cameras every time they made a movie. Yeah. You know, film, we just kind of know how to do it. Ever so often, like, John, J James Cameron will try to push something forward. But that's happening on a yearly basis within games. They have to, if not fully reinvent the wheel, they have to make a better wheel. Oh, by the way, we got a completely new input device. Can you make yeah. it multi-touch and then 3D exactly. touch, and then it has to be web-enabled with in microtransactions? Oh, I know you have an idea for a game, but we need three forms of currency in it now. <laughs> Can you do that as well? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know... Because if you look at linear entertainment, you can start to put it together and see what the product looks like. Games are not linear. Even if it's a linear game, like, say, in Uncharted or something like that. No, the construction of it isn't. So you don't get to see if this is working as quickly as I think people would assume you would. And it's just like, man. And in the edit, bit, you so see the movie. Yeah, you exactly. see the final movie. Well, what's not working? Let's trim up that one part. Exactly. In a video game, you change Trimming one in part. a game could have huge exactly. ramifications. Exactly. I mean, exactly. how many bad patches have come out that actually made the game worse? Yeah. They did not intend to do that. You just don't know how much chaos theory is at play there. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, we need a reshoot. We're missing a thing. Okay, that's going to be three days and a couple bucks. Oh, we need to add in a new game mechanic. Oh, that could break 40,000 different yeah. things and introduce yeah. a thousand bugs into the system. So, very true. Where are you at with the Kickstarter now? Well, I think I haven't checked in the past few hours. We were if somewhere in 470,000 something or other. There it is, 482,000. Oh, that's nice. We should we should call out it's Friday the 13th the game. You guys can search for it easy enough on Kickstarter. Um, or bing it if you're nasty. You got 22 days to go. The goal was what? You wanted it's, to hit 700,000. 700,000. Obviously, there's some really cool stretch goals if we can get past that. And I'm trying to encourage you know, fans out there. Uh, there's it other was sort of hidden. And I noticed there was like a Reddit thread where people were trying to like unsmudge the stretch goals I mean, I and guess think, at what they are. I think they've been. Have they been revealed? Okay. I, I, mean, I believe a couple have. Because at the time, further down I the page. I don't know. What I don't know is at what cost do you get a certain thing? Right. But um, single player. Uh, would be the ultimate stretch goal. Very, 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 because that changes everything because you, now you're talking about AI, sure. which is, which is a whole expensive ball of wax. Yeah. But in the, in the interim, this has me excited. Pamela Voorhees, Jason's mother, mm -hmm. becomes a character. And, uh, um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name because I've just been up for so long today. The boy that was played by Corey Feldman, uh, that kills Jason. Corey Feldman was in Friday the 13th? Part four. 
Uh, a child. See, that's a why child I, tell, Corey I hope you're not reaching out to me because um, there's nothing. I got nothing for you. If someone could just look that up, I'm we'll, so we'll embarrassed right now. I've been Don't saying be. the name constantly, but I'm just having that moment of brain fart. But will he be in <laughs> Tommy the Jarvis, game? Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis. Tommy will Jarvis be in will the also game? be in the game. Okay. I did not say Corey Feldman. I just want to. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing some of the people that went through the franchise. Uh, uh, Kevin Bacon is in part one. I know. He plays yeah. a counselor. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So those are two really fun. Obviously, very well-known characters um, from the game. So that's why I'm just, you know. Oh, I'm, and 10,000-foot view, the core gameplay. Third-person, first-person shooter, turn-based RTS. Is person. it tile matching and anime dating yes, sim? It's, uh, it? Actually, it's floating. It's falling tiles. Perfect. Yeah, like an endless runner out. kind of thing. Okay. No, it, it isn't third-person. And some people, I think, have been confused. Because obviously, like a first-person perspective, you know, you see that in movies like Halloween, Sam and Jason. There's a couple very important reasons for that. Um you need to go backwards a lot in this game. You know, if Jason comes, you may need to back up. You don't want to do that from a third-person perspective sure. because the environment is so important to us. That's how you step on a twig to make the crack. That's how, like, there might be a log. Yeah. You oh, you knocked a tea kettle in the kitchen, and now he, yeah. here's your rattling. You can't lose that perspective. Um, also, Tom Savini is still designing all the kills in the game. Do you really want to lose out on seeing <laughs> Trust me. Right. The, the, his part with the kills is the coolest because... Even though we're working in a fully digital medium, he is determined that what he is going to put into the game is something that he could recreate with practical effects inside of a movie. That's going to give it a lot more kind of punch. I'm not a lot gonna, more I'm, weight. I'm, it's going to feel yes, way more real. I'm trying though, right? not yeah. to say visceral, but I just did. Do it. Do Derek, it. No. Visceral. Your body's Robot. saying it. Yeah. That's your voice. So that, th th those are two very strong reasons. But, I mean, it really is important that you need to have that wider field of view and it's it's good it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun have you talked about the jason gameplay much or are you allowed well, to talk about that um or? i mean jason will play jason right um we're gonna have multiple jasons because they're actually if you watch the movies he changes quite considerably he was wearing like a kind of a a, a, a sack over his head in two mm -hmm. three he does get the uh um the the the, the, the hockey mask so like you, you see over time the two that we are committed to right now is we're going to do seven that's the famous one that Kane Hodder started with. And three, the first hockey mask one. He's called Big Neck because they had a large prosthetic here on the back of his neck. So um, obviously, you know, depending on the Kickstarter, that's going to open up a lot of other possibilities. Sure. But there will be Jasons, different Jasons that will play differently. Um, I, 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 another fun part, and this is I'm really excited to start to really investigate, is he has to be kind of preternatural in his skills. You know, so if you're hiding under a bed, Jason's not going to get on his knees and poke his head under the bed. He's going to put a knife through it. Sure. So we're playing with ideas of what, how he creates a, a, a sense, and that will probably motivate the player to not stay in one place, that perhaps the longer you stay in one place, the more easy it will be for him to be able to sense you. But if you're moving around, he might make a mistake, and he's actually going to a place that you've already he's been. chasing shadows. And versus, so there's yeah. just there's me that wonderful tension you know, where he can suddenly – just uh, he knows you're under the bed. Put the knife through it, and boom, you're gone. Amazing. Yeah, that is so <laughs> cool. And so, and it's uh, is it all time limited then, or is it just if they all escape, they all escape? Round is done. Um, uh, yeah, there, I, there's gonna have to be some time sure. um, because daylight can come up. Uh, but then there's also escape. Remember, it's not, it's not. Does everyone get away? It's the do you get away? Do you get away? Right. Yeah. So right. Yeah, it's cool. That's exciting, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's great to see the 480-something, but you need 700 yes. by when? So what, how is, many days do we have left? This is by, well, actually, it ends on Friday the 13th. 
of November. Oh, Sessler. Um, now, guys, I know there's that other game that's coming out on the 10th of November. But don't forget about us in those last three days. <laughs> uh, that's why, I mean, I would love for everybody, you know, obviously, if you can't donate, I get it. I mean, that, 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 that makes sense. Sure. If you get the word out to people that can donate, we would love you for it. And I always you, say that. And if you Social only have currency. five bucks, if you only have five bucks, that will make a difference. I mean, it, it is, there's, there's nothing that really is too little. If you can give more good for you, but you know, it's not like that. That is a you know an insufficient contribution. Something as, as simple as five bucks. Absolutely. And again, you're you're totally right. It, you, the social currency is sometimes just yeah. as important as the real world money. Yeah. So if people can put, post a link to Reddit in their favorite forum, tell a friend, tweet it out, whatever. Mm-hmm. People always go like, I only have twenty followers. Followers. I'm like, well, those twenty people love yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. They're following you for a reason, yeah, especially exactly. at that level. They're exactly. highly engaged. <laughs> so tell twenty people about yeah. it. Maybe one of them will have a thousand dollars. You don't know. Yeah. So I love that. What is it with you in camps, though? Whether d- designing games around them or running them in wigs? Yeah. So <laughs> Lumberjack Man yeah. movie available what? now. What was that? I fucking the trailer. I was like the 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 quintessential. You had me at hello. It was you had me at Sessler <laughs> when you popped up on the screen. We're playing the trailer now so people will see it because it is brilliant. The moment you there you are. Oh, we just saw you. In the, you were in the back. There it is. What yep. the hell was this? Okay, so I filmed this back when I was still working at Rev3. A couple of my buddies, uh, you might know them from the game studio Twisted Pixel. Um, they, if you notice, their games started to use more and more live action. And, they've, and, they, and they came out, like, they've, they've worked with Lloyd Kaufman over at Troma. Yep. So, you know, they really wanted to do this. And they were filming it out in Austin, and they had this character, Doug. He is the head counselor of a religious, um, actually it takes place over Easter, but for the sake of it, it's a summer camp. And they didn't know who could play him. And they said, well, let's ask Sessler. And so they called me up and I'm like, yeah. I was like, so we're doing this movie. It's a horror movie. I'm pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I asked one question. I won't give you the answer, but I said, do I die? And they gave me an answer. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, well, we'll send you the script. I'm like, no, I'm doing it. I want to do this. This sounds great. And I, you know, I went out there. It was so much fun. Uh, it was like one of those really fun sets where everybody was improving, and there was this goofy sense of humor. Uh, it's a very goofy movie. Yeah. It still has all the blood and all the boobies you would expect from a movie like this. Great. But it's really, really silly. And it's so I, funny because even when like the trailer, I had an emotional ebb and flow because it started off very like, oh, this is for like this is gonna be for like thirteen year olds, twelve year olds, or whatever. Yeah. And then it quickly gets to just blood and guts and murder. And yeah. Go, oh, wait a minute. Okay. No, yeah. Bree and I is, are going to watch this together. It's obviously, it, there's something of an homage to Troma. It's yes. beautifully shot. I mean, one of the things I've heard from people is they're like, wait, what was the budget on this? It was a very, very low budget. It was a very beautiful camera. It's some insanely talented people. But really, it's the wig I'm wearing. I was just going to say, did you get to pick that? I picked that. Did that inspire you? So you know me well enough that, like, because the, the makeup staff and the wardrobe staff. <laughs> no, go back. Go back. Go back to it. Oh, he's the bashful one of the boy band. He plays the keys and likes boats. So, you know, I have my beard and my bald head. And I knew if I shaved off my beard and stayed bald, I wouldn't, that just wouldn't look right. Right. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have to get a wig. So I go up into this room and they, put, they lay the wigs out. Let me be clear. If people aren't watching the video, this could be a Merkin. <laughs> there is. I have wondered. <laughs> I mean, you have to ask yourself, what was this designed for? What horrible scenario requires someone to put on a wig like that? Clay Aiken was burned minutes before the concert? <laughs> Quick, get him this wig. <laughs> so I saw the wig and I could see that, you know, the, the, the two wardrobe people were like, Really? 
So I think they're probably used to people that want themselves to look good. I am so much more comfortable if I'm denigrating myself. So I feel like I'm getting a step ahead of all the commenters. <laughs> right, I'm going to beat you to the punch. I'm exactly. smart enough and quick enough to where I can eviscerate myself well better than exactly. you can. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I put it on. <laughs> I walked back out, and it just became kind of a running gag because everyone's like, this is the dumbest wig. And I'm very proud because Michael Madsen is in the movie, and we had a couple of scenes together. But the first time we did it, he just couldn't take it. Like he, him having to look at me in my stupid face in that stupid <laughs> wig. He's like, "Good God, do I have to do this? Do I have to do the entire time?" <laughs> I love it. So you did this years ago, and then it's one of those things where, like, is it going to come out? Did you have yeah. that concern? And then it finally hits. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was nice because they were in that interesting position where they were able to finance the movie and then shop it around. But you know, it's it's a horror comedy, so it took a while to kind of find that place. Yeah, I mean, it's very find the right distributors. I think this is neat that this comes out one week after the Final Girls, which is another phenomenally good, very funny, very touching horror movie comes out. That I'm crossing my fingers that maybe we can see a shift from spooky things in my house to something that's a little bit more fun and free spirited, and obviously very nostalgic for yeah. you know the the horror movies of yore. Uh, pardon my ignorance. I, I thought it was out now. Oh, this is out now. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, good. So, you were talking, it, 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 you said it was coming I'm out sorry. after Final Girls. I thought it was out. Oh, no. This, oh, this came out a week after Final Girls was available. So Got it. it's been out Got for it. a little over a week. What's the preferred way for people to watch? I think VOD is going to be the easiest. It was part of the Eight Films to Die For uh, Festival. Okay. So I think it's still here at Universal City. Um, but, you know, there's, it's only in a handful of cities. And, uh, you know, this, I think it says Chicago, but it's actually, I think, 40 miles outside of Chicago. Put Chicago <laughs> on the poster. But, they'll find it. But if you boot up a PS4 or you boot up an Xbox One and you say Lumberjack Man or you, or you type it in. Yeah. No, I, the Connect is essential. So you have to be able yes. to talk to your Xbox. We all know this, right? <laughs> hey, you know what? It was cool. I said Lumberjack Man. It came up. And it was right next to uh, music offerings and associated with Johnny Cash. Uh, and something else completely badass. I don't remember what it was. But I was like, yeah, look at that. Good, good on you, one guy. Yeah. So uh, I, was, I was worried it was going to be like the Oak Ridge Boys or something less exciting. <laughs> right. But people can get it now. Yeah, it people is can get it out. Now. Shout out your PS4 or your Xbox. Yeah. Can we and, talk? Well, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, watch it with friends. If you're in the state yeah. of Washington or the state of Colorado, enjoy. Even in the state of California. Yeah. Just claim glaucoma yeah. and enjoy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's the you can enjoy the trailer that way and know it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I wanted to watch it last night and then Bria was out because she was like, we're watching this together when I sent her the trailer. She had no knowledge of it. Uh -huh. She has a vague knowledge of, of you, Adam. Uh -huh. But she immediately was like, yes, yes, a thousand yeah. times yes. Let's, so, it, it goes down very, very easy. I cannot wait for that. I know, I know, I'm loving it too. Oh, edge of your seat amazingness, but I gotta interrupt because I have to talk about Softlayer. Uh, Softlayer delivers cloud built to scale. So your business, applications, computational workloads, they're unique, they're delicate. So you deserve cloud resources to meet your specific needs, and Softlayer is one of the only cloud providers that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers from a single seamless platform. It's all on demand, it's all connected on the same API, it's all on the same global private network, so you can scale your workloads up and down quickly and have ample space for your storage intensive tasks. So who are Softlayer? Who are these guys that are promising all this whimsy and magic? What mountaintop did they descend from? Well, Softlayer is an IBM company. I trust IBM. You should trust IBM. They've kind of stood the test of time. And they use Softlayer as its cloud infrastructure foundation for all of IBM cloud products and services. So even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can benefit from a Softlayer infrastructure when you use the platform or software services for IBM Cloud. Look. 
I know it's a lot of technical words. It's a lot of mumbo-jumbo and jargon. But if you know what an ounce of this stuff means, then you want to pound a software in your life. That's just hot science. All of our listeners, that means you because you're one of them, uh, have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting Softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers. Those are like dedicated servers to run some gaming or some hentai torrents, whatever you need. Virtual servers, storage, networking, security services, uh, all from your choice data center. They've got 24 data centers around the world, all right? And they're all connected to software's unique network of networks which separates public, private, managed traffic, and basically all it does is it ensures that traffic to and from your cloud infrastructure, that it travels more efficiently. I went to their site. I checked them out. I clicked on the get $500 free uh, thing, which is the offer I'm about to tell you. And I know a thing or three about servers, and I can tell that there's some massive hardware available at some really affordable prices. You should just go click through it, and even if you don't know what the words are, there's a dropdown called Max RAM. Who wouldn't want to click on that? Play with that slider. Max Ram. Visit Softlayer.com slash podcast, and you can get started with $500 off servers, storage, network, and security on a cloud built to scale from Softlayer. Uh, again, this is uh, for only for new customers. So if you're listening to this, you never signed up, good. Go to Softlayer.com slash podcast. Get $500 off the first order of the first billing cycle of servers and services with whatever you want. So head on over there. Clickety-click away, save the 500 bones, and you're welcome. That was a kissy. Uh, now, we got it. Can we talk gaming? Yeah. How sure. long do I know you have a thousand things you need to do. I want to get... No, I'm, I'm, I'm good today. Okay. I'm good today. Because I, I, I want to give people that are watching live a chance uh, to ask some questions. Yeah. So if you're in chat, go ahead. Alex will be fielding them. Liz will be fielding them. We got them. Um, but game... I mean, you still like talking games, right? I love talking Ostensibly, games. Ostensibly, you still care and have a passion yeah, about that? I just Fantastic. don't review them anymore sure. because... Who wants that? Exactly. I mean, really, it's it's like yeah. What was the? I mean, there must have been one where you're like, this is a 300 hour fucking game, and I have to play the well, whole just damn that, thing, and, and I want to tap you, out. You put so it out bad. there, and I was like, I can't believe you have an opinion, Bogma. No, I mean, did, whew, I mean, I did so many reviews because obviously we had a much smaller staff when I was sure. at Rev Three, and it was just like, oh my god. Oh my god, not another one, not another one. Am I, am I married? Am I still married? I don't know. I have to keep on playing this. It's an open world game. The rise of open world games and the reduction oh. of editorial staff at most of the major outlets, those two things are really a bad combination. Oh yeah. It's... Um, what are you, I mean, alright, let's start picking winners and favorites. Like, what's going on okay. in your, like... This is outside. Okay, you, you have that storage container outside? Yeah, yeah. So I was standing outside right before I came on. I was looking at it, and you know what I was doing in my head? I was fultoning it. I've been playing so much Metal Gear Solid Five. I was just like, <laughs> I looked at your container as a thing of value that I would attach balloons to and put up into the sky. So are you loving it? I I, I really like it, and I do not like Metal Gear Solid. I can't. I mean, I've never liked I any other. Came one. from that as well. I was like, I hate Metal Gear Solid, but it's, I'm having an okay time with this one. It's the loops that doing something kind of then benefits something else or you know that benefits something else it's like okay well i do want to do a little bit more you're able to set such beautiful goals and the second is it's so well gated i wish a lot i mean it's it's like grand theft auto in that it waits to see where you've advanced to open up certain opportunities mm -hmm. as opposed to say a batman where it just plays 52 pickup it puts it there on the map it doesn't give you any guidance as to whether or not this is it, 
the the time is right for you to do it or is this a more important thing to do over this metal gear does a really nice job of just keeping you engaged and never overwhelming you but always giving you an option of things to do it's, it's very clever in that regard i have only had a few hours to play it before i broke my finger recently oh. and so i couldn't was it i'm still it's still a struggle it's real first world problems no, they have the I can, even that the gripping was oh. hurting, i'm getting it back no, it's that, back see, baby you realize i went 15 years without hurting my hands or arms that was always my biggest fear that's your bread and butter i know because who's gonna believe it's like oh the game is great you'd have to play it with it. the thumb you would need a surrogate gamer to put their arms yeah. around you like you're making a clay pot <laughs> go left um so i've only had a few hours to do it but i want to thank whoever created it because i think they did a good job i just have no idea who created directed, oh, yeah, or wrote anything. That, that, uh, i wish the game would tell me yeah. Uh, do you have any idea what's going on with that? Because according to Konami... Well, there was a really interesting piece in The New Yorker where they really still didn't resolve it. It's just still a big, fat question mark. I mean, I think some of it is that Konami is done with big video games. Right. They said as much. Yeah. They're shifting to mobile. But why... The... So why make the announcement? Why the ignoble exit for someone that's been working for them for a very long time? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's... That doesn't happen in any industry. Boy, how arrogant can I be that I just tried to create some kind of hypothetical lineage between me and Hideo Kojima? It works, though. It works, though. It was a, it was a connection to corporations and the way they manage talent. I mean, look, the one thing I can say about Konami, it's an oddball company. Right. That, you know, they have never made a decision that didn't surprise... That, I, I, as surprising as it was, I'm like, no, within that company, that's, that's still not shocking me. Yeah. Where, where are, are we in a good spot with video gaming? I think so. Okay, because depending upon the forum you go to, the sky is falling, the microtransactions yeah. are ri rising, VR is going to be dead on arrival in a fad, people are going to vomit. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll go through Not the way I feel. Um, no, VR has me very excited. Though I've said this before, I think I'm more excited for non-game applications first because I think it's going to take a while to figure out how to make... Yes. I mean, don't think that taking... Times, yes. Everyone says, oh, I'll put Fallout 4. It's like, well, No. Because a lot of the interactivity that we have with games, that is your immersion. Because you need to have the cause and effect of hitting the button and having something happen on screen. That's the mind trick that it's doing. You put on the headset, the, the immersion is done. It takes four seconds. Boom. You are there. You're there. And how are you going to interact with that I, world? I don't know how much competition or challenge I want. I will now be in a place I have never been to. Underwater, in space, in the desert. Something like that. There's already so much novelty and fascination that do I want to have a bunch of challenge? Because remember, that challenge is going to be recorded by your brain and your body much differently than it is when you're playing a shooter on a regular television screen. And I think that's where we're going to have to do a lot of experimentation. Um, I'm really fascinated and excited to be on board with a lot of that experimentation. But I just think that those, those, those questions have yet to be answered. But what I do think is going to be exciting, and I still think this is why Zuckerberg you know, really realized the value of the Oculus, I love boxing. I cannot afford to sit front row at a title match. But for $200, I will happily slap that down to be in a virtual front row watching two heavyweights go at it. And I just, I think the opportunities there are just incredible. Oh, yeah. The, the camera guy that's on the ring that is blocking yeah. the shot sometimes yeah. of the wide shot, yeah. he's going to have a rig on him. You're going to be, oh, the ref. We'll yeah. have a 3D rig, and you're going to be yeah. watching it in the ring as these dudes slug it out, and every punch is going to feel a thousand times more Yeah, visceral. I mean, think about Super Bowl tickets. Yeah. It's now not just the stadium. You can get a you know, Everyone can now have a 50-yard seat if they're willing to pony up the cash. When I talked to Palmer at E3, he was like, I hope by this time next year people are enjoying the Oculus keynote 
from no, Monoculus. Yeah, yeah, he and I talked about like, that Like, why as well. shouldn't they yeah. be front row center, yeah. have the best seat in the house that they can look around? Yeah. And, when, and when we cut to a demo and say, like, a new world is being made by the guys who made Lucky Tail. Press the button. You're in that we're, world. We're, yeah, we're all in there together. Exactly. I just, yeah. I mean, those things just get me so giddy yeah. and so excited. The demo that Palmer gave me at E3 is still one of the most memorable things. Do you, you did? Yeah. Oh, uh, so I had, I, oh. It was just so much fun. I'm so glad that they're releasing little snippets of video of the toy box because the footage that we were allowed to shoot was yeah. just me dancing like a giddy Japanese schoolgirl going like, what the fuck? With a Roman candle! With the- Oh, the train! I'm small now! I sound like a fucking crazy person. Yo, aren't you glad that we're not working at a TV station trying to figure out how we're going to shoot VR for the launch day? <laughs> I am so happy yep, not I'm okay to be with answering that. that question. I'm okay with that. As a content creator, though, I get excited for, like, well, uh, this podcast yeah. right now, this room yeah. looks like a, like a Craigslisty sex dungeon. And we've yeah. done what we can, but, like, the walls are stained. It's tears. It's wood paneling and fake brick. This is this. so. So, in your version of a sex dungeon, there's a lot of childish drawings. That's yeah, right. I, I, I just want to double check with you. Yeah, okay. no, my uncle's really proud of me. He puts them up there <laughs> to make me feel at home. Uh, <laughs> to me, like this world would be so much more interesting if we were capturing it virtually, and people that were listening could press the button and be yep. hanging out with us virtually. Yeah, and there's no reason why we couldn't be riding on the back of a dragon while having this fucking conversation and weird oh, shit could go down. See, that sounds great. See it's what like, I'm saying? Evan, tell me about the game. Yeah, exactly. Tell Wee! me about the game. And your Kickstarter, and a giant virtual window appears, yeah. and we're no, all in the Kickstarter. There's so, so many cool. Yeah. So that is great. I, I'm excited that people, especially like in the gaming community, are taking notice and actively pursuing it because that first wave that is going to crash on the beach is going to be shitty. Like, I'm sorry. Someone will do mist through gazing, and that will be awesome. But like the first-person shooters and that kind of stuff that others are attempting are not – I don't think they're going to work. I because think immersion a lot of, is broken. Yeah. The second you do this and don't have a hey, haptic feedback Developers who are out there, storytelling – yeah. The storytelling opportunities through VR that I think that, that, that there's something very, very untapped sure. there that has me very excited. Notice that the epic shooter is an, it's completely on rails. You yeah. know, the one that they're, they're demoing now. It's uh, the one like yeah. Subway Cops or whatever the fuck it is. It's like that was the demo that they showed. I don't know. That's it was, right. It was bang, bang, Subway guys. But I mean, right now, we, I think but we it have, needs to be. We need to step before we run. Exactly. And I just, yeah. Now, were you able to try the Vive demo? I still haven't played it. See, that's the Is one. it Vive or Vive? 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 I've been saying anyone? Vive. and I, Vive? Uh, yeah, it's Vive. It's French. Vivacious? It's a revolution. Oh, you're, look. I think my mom's trying to call buzzing. me. Hold hey, on. mom. You want to patch her in? Yeah. Oh, wait. Nope. Yep. She called oh. me, too. That's weird. No, oh, no. That's a pick. That. No, that's oh. all right. Don't be sorry at all. She is still very lovely. No, that's the hotel telling me my room is finally ready. Oh, congrats. Yeah, that's great. How long are you in town for? Um, just, no, uh, I'm here tomorrow and I'm leaving Saturday. Okay. Are you riding the promo pony while you're here? Or oh, is it, yes. Yeah, I am is. riding that pony until that burrow cannot walk no more. <laughs> Crack so, that whip, yes. buddy. It, it's, it is so fascinating to be on this end of the conversation. Like the first time, and it was with Greg Miller. And Colin started to ask questions. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Right. This is so weird. Like, I started to stammer. It's I'm terrifying, like, right? What's my message? Hold on, stay on message. What am I doing? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's oh, so. It is it, so different. It, it it, someone really asked me. Like, I was on a show, and I was like, they were like, "Are you all right?" And I was like, "No, I'm." Re-. It was like my first time really being interviewed. And I'm like, I'm freaking out right now. I was like, because normally I sit there. Yeah. I'm in control. Yeah. I have a modicum of an idea of where this is going. I maybe have a card. But this is like, oh, I have to give you an entertaining, succinct soundbite, and not hope that you deliver one. Ba- oh, this is. It's awkward how these tables yeah. turn. Um. Con, uh, current gen consoles. I mean, I, I, I look. They're selling well, right? I mean, even though Sony is definitely outpacing uh, Microsoft 
if you compare Microsoft to where the 360 was, it's like, like this, this is healthy. There was definitely an appetite and a hunger out there. And there's a, you know, a, a lot of content. I think the biggest concern in the AAA space is just budgets. They're getting so big mm -hmm. that that's, that does limit experimentation. You know, that will limit new IPs. I mean, that's just a fact that, you know, over time, I think that we're, we're just going to have to deal with. I think the biggest challenge in the gaming space right now, because I love so many of the fun experimental indie games, but the discoverability issue, I mean, this is, this is reaching, I think, a very serious point where there's so many interesting things out there, but how do you find out about them? Yes, there's word of mouth. Yes, there are some great outlets that really try to, to you know, curate and try to highlight that, but that's still not sort of... It, Compared to the indie music scene or the indie film scene of the 90, there were more clear-cut channels of distribution that helped bring it to your attention so that you could try it out. We don't have that yet in games, and I don't know what the solution is, mm. but to me, that is one of the biggest challenges that, that we're being faced with is that great stuff is going unnoticed for all the wrong reasons. It's just because like, no one knows it's there. Uh, yeah, I think that's a kind of a blanket issue for all types of media. I mean, that's I guess just, you're right. There's that's, so yeah. much noise happening yeah. now that, like, well, I mean, because you, you referenced the 90s, which was a time when indie had some popularity, but now it's like, well, are you on Bandcamp? Are you on SoundCloud? Are you even on iTunes? Are you on Spotify? Okay, maybe I'm aware of your thing. Also, now that I'm aware of it, you're only going to get three cents for me loving your yeah. thing. That's another yeah. whole issue. Yeah, that's a... Ah, oh, man. I mean, we, I think we were talking about it when we saw it happening. It's like, man, why is everything free all of a sudden? Because right. it's really hard to retreat from free. You know, there is so much between what was being paid and free. Why did we go there? Well, the, it's on the music side of things, people are getting really used to their nine ninety nine and I all I can eat music. Uh -huh. But when they find out that that's actually not scalable or profitable because these companies are still burning cash and losing thing, losing money trying to get these deals, what happens when it's like, okay, now it's twenty bucks a month? It's like, but your whole library is here. What are you going to do? You going to walk away from it? You don't have a physical yeah, copy of the and thing. Then people are like, oh, I've been abused. Right. It's like, oh, we, yeah. And we're going to start seeing albums with DLC. I guarantee it. We're going to get the EP, which we're going to tell you is the full album. These five tracks oh, are here. What a clever. But we got three bonus tracks a month from now. Do you want to subscribe to this artist for the year? Because then we'll just give you the summer packs. And if you get it on SoundCloud, you can get the special one. Yep. It's, oh, oh, that's already happening with iTunes. My like favorite piece bonuses. of DLC, which is the one that had me laughing. I think it's when the, uh, not the last, but the Splinter Cell before it came out. Um, you know, if you bought it at GameStop, you could get a special weapon, which was the silent shotgun. And I'm like, oh, please. Oh, please. How, how is Two this silencers, possible? One for each barrel, guys. <laughs> silent <good>. shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so many issues facing the industry from like free to play, pay to win, to the pre-order bonuses that can ebb and flow in various favors. Uh, uh, these things are problematic, but I also at times think the outcry is a little like, hold on, let's, 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 let's pull it back a little bit. Pre-order bonuses... It can be avoided by not pre-ordering. Right. Yeah, they I mean, exist I, because I, 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 customer I guess behavior allows it, right? Yeah, it's just, it's one of those, it's, it's only being done because it's working. And I just, I, I, I actually want to say, yes, there is outcry, but I think it's from a, a particular corner and it does not represent the whole. It represents the echo chamber of that corner. Right. Right. Well, it must, it must be the case for everyone because everywhere I go, I see these arguments. It's like, no, you go to very specific places that echo, you're in a bubble that you've yeah. curated yourself. And you're not yeah, hearing opinions just, outside of it. You don't probably know somebody who spent $200 on Candy Crush. I do. Yeah. I actually know a guy who got frustrated in bed one night. He was stuck on level 140-something, and he was like, I'm going to buy a candy hammer. That didn't work. I'm going to buy some yeah. gum gums. I'm going to buy some whatever. $200 later, he completely justified King's business it's, model and made up for the 15 other people yeah, who swear they're not going to spend a dollar on it. These are things that the market will support until the market no longer supports it. Do I think they will become ubiquitous? No. 
I think they will start to show up places where you would rather not see them, but they will not happen in, in every single game. Mm-hmm. These things almost like if, if it doesn't work, it will burn itself out and we'll move on to something next. But it, it's I, I, I think the uh, the sense of the apocalypse is a little it, it, it's it's a little much. Maybe, you know. Once people get their fallouts and their stuff like that, and they have something sure. to play, it'll 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 calm it's down. It's always a bit. the second coming. Whether it's a Red Bull can tied to a Destiny perk or whatever, it's yeah. always oh the sky yeah. hath fallen. There are snakes. God, do you remember when battle was it Battlefield twenty one fifteen? I can't remember. It was the first futuristic Battlefield, mm-hmm. and that was like the, they had Pepsi. It was like there's ad integration. That was a big deal. It was the first time that we had seen it in such a prominent... Oh, sure. Well, I remember of, when Need for Speed started putting in-game ads or whatever. When EA started, yeah. they had their EA billboards that would update. And everybody's like, what? An Axe body spray ad in my game? Table flip. Well, at the very least, Need for Speed takes place in a contemporary setting. I sure. mean, that was a pretty big presumption to think that far in the future where I think there's like mechs and stuff like that that were like Pepsi. <laughs> hey, well, Pepsi. look, if Demolition Man told us that Taco Bell su- survives the restaurant wars, yeah, so maybe it, Pepsi's still around. At least... At least they knew that it was funny-ish. All right. I want to get to questions that were submitted, but I do have to ask. uh, Viral video showdown. Oh, my God. Great experience or best experience of your life? (laughs) I I, I, Actually, we shouldn't talk about it because then someone might Google it and become aware of that shit show. The worst experience of my life professionally. How about you? It was not the highlight for me either. (laughs) Um, I was not allowed to eat at my own volition. I was not allowed to pee. I was not allowed to have a cigarette. I know how you make Simon Cowell. I was a judge on this show, and I was the crankiest son of a bitch you can possibly imagine. But the part that I still found funny is when it finally aired. It aired one time on a Tuesday. I don't know how it did. Now, the next Tuesday was Halloween. The next Tuesday after that was Superstorm Sandy, so the entire eastern seaboard did not have access yeah. to electricity. Which is where Sci-Fi and Network, then, by the way, is predominantly viewed. And the next Tuesday was the 2012 presidential election. So this <laughs> thing, I have never seen a show so sent out to die. I mean, you know, Dr. Ken on ABC, that's on Friday, somehow got out of, like, the problem with a Friday premiere. Yeah. But yeah, we, I mean, this thing was just, they, they, they cut it off at the legs and told it to they swim. It. Also, by the way, uh, a, a show predicated on like having digital influencers, YouTube talent with good followings come on a show. They did nothing to engage, said, I had emails coming to me from people who were on the show going like, hey, are we going to get clips to promote this? And I was like, no, no, you're not going to be able to promote this to your followings. Look, the people who love you won't be able to tune in and see the show. Let's go back to the part that I still find the funniest is that it was on sci-fi. This is two months after an NBC Universal Network pretty much showed me the door, told me not to have that, it, you know, hit me in the ass on the way out. Yeah. And another one of Bonnie Hammer's networks is like, hey, do you want to be on this show? I was just, I'm like, come on, sure Seth. Yeah. I got yelled at for requesting a, a stool to sit on during <laughs> takes on that show. So no love lost there. It was a shit show. Um, I do want to, because I described you as a moment and from the consultancy thing. As the the sage, uh, the wise wizard on the mountain that would come down and say it's dangerous to go alone. Take my knowledge. What have you gleaned from the the totality of your experiences from from tech TV to G four for the struggles with with your wife's health condition that you were yeah. going through with all that? I mean, like, because mentor me for a moment, please. This is this is me I, being as selfish as I, I came with the podcast. Yeah, obviously, the stuff with my wife is a whole different learning experience, which is, there's too much there. But I think, especially from the professional career, um, it is realizing that the internet as you see it is not reality. And, you know, and and that's true in so many different ways. I mean, you know, I would read comments. Oh, everyone hates me. Oh, well, maybe it's just the people that hate you that decided to comment. 
really, I mean, this was like six years of therapy of like trying to deal with stuff like that. You know, trying to deal with, you know, I'm putting myself out there. How am I going to maintain my sense of integrity and my image and stuff like that? There is a point where you need to get slightly Buddhist. It's like you, 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 you can't control it and you don't know what's real. You know, as, as Hassani Saba said, the, the, the master of the cult of assassins, you know, everything is true. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. You know, that you, you, it's, it's, I, you know, and, and this is true for when people start getting upset about things involving video games or the bogus boycott Star Wars thing is like, all, you know, these things may not be real or you only met, they are only as real as you allow them to be when it's in that digital space. There's, there's things in the real world that you need to actually take very seriously. Sure. But um, I, I think that, you know, as, as I get older, it's just like, I'm not, I just, I'm just not going to get wrapped up in this and have it kind of just dominate my thought process and have it, you know, influence all of my decisions and you know, how I interact with other people. And for a lot of you guys out there, how you make decisions. Enjoy the damn game you enjoy. You are under no obligation to justify it. You are under no obligation to defend it. You are under no obligation to tell anyone you're playing that game. That's also one of the best things I do is I do not let anyone see what games I'm playing. It's just, it's just shut it off. From that's, the, that's, yeah. that's my decision. Right. You know, I don't care what my gamer score is. I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of one to just slap his dick on the table like I'm a better gamer. I want to enjoy something in my privacy without ever having to explain it to somebody else. And I think that, you know, th th those are things where you, you start to feel a lot more empowered when you kind of take those steps. It is not obligatory to always be in the conversation or in, in a defensive posture as regards to things that other people are discussing. When you look back on all those years, are there... Uh... Do you have regrets? Oh, process? Yeah. Look, yeah. I was not the nicest guy all the time. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it, I think moving to L.A. got even worse. I mean, God, remember, like, parking spaces? I mean, look, I, I wasn't like I was under-influenced by, you know, being in Hollywood and on television. Like, where you, especially at the old building, where you parked in relation to the door, and there's only a few of those spaces, definitely denoted what they thought about you. Mm -hmm. And then when I wasn't getting a reserved space over at the new building, and I'm like, well, they clearly hate me. I mean, it's just like, it just so fucked you up in the head because you are looking for a sense of value from things you cannot control, which are other assholes. <laughs> and it really, it's like that you just, you got to just pull back from that. Like, you got to reclaim yourself. And I accept the fact that I was not always a wonderful person. I think it's wholly unfair. And that's another problem with the internet. Uh, to expect perfection is like we would just be in a nightmare civilization mm -hmm. that, you know, we are flawed. We should learn from our flaws and try to move forward, but also not expect that we will not do something flawed right. in the future. Well, that's the that is the the weird, uh, bizarre, warped funhouse mirror that is social media, because as I say time and time again, no one really takes to social media to, to broadcast that they've won the fight with their loved one or that <laughs> their belly feels particularly distended from too many tacos tonight. It's yeah. like the, the image that you portray, that yeah. foot that you're putting forward. Should I have it, a boil here? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what it, can anybody can identify this? I'm a little concerned. Yeah. Google tells me I should be as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the foot that goes forward is often a perfect one. It's got yeah. a really it's... pristine sneaker on it, and yet, you know, because, we are and, and, and because from that vantage point, you can then judge all others. Of course. Yeah. It is interesting because we were talking right before this thing started about like, I was like, do you need anything before we get started? And you're like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I need. I think I have everything I need. <laughs> and so it's like when you come into a situation like Hollywood and Los Angeles and, and TV being made the way it was being made, and you're right, the parking space you had sent a very clear fucking message. Yeah. But, you know, six months prior to that, you might not have given a single fuck yeah. about where it your car went. so corrupting. But then they tell you 
oh, this this is a reflection of a thing, and you don't have this yeah. thing, and this thing is now reflecting and upon then, you, whether you like it or not. And, and that's the thing. That, I think, what sometimes leads to like not the best behavior because you're so worried about whether or not people think you're valuable that you start to test them just like a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. You start to demand things, or you don't understand why someone's not there with the water when you want it. I mean, not that I actually did that, but it, it's, you know, it's those things because it's coming from a place of deep-seated insecurity because you've abdicated all sense of self-worth to other people, and they're not communicating to you as frequently as you would like how much you're worth. It's, it's, just, it's, it's really – I wow. do not recommend doing this for a career because you will be in therapy for the rest of your life. <laughs> And you know what? I think, you know, and to tie it in, when my wife got sick, I think that was the most important thing because it did. It was like a depth charge. It was like, hold on. I know what's important, and it's the woman I love. And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to seem callous by like no, trying to yeah, lump in yeah, but, your, your wife's issues with yeah. the G4 run, but I would have imagined that at that point in time, that was a bit of a lightning rod. Yeah, and it was, and I think it was, it was just kind of a moment of clarity. It's like, okay, this is what's most important right now. It's funny because when you go through things that are, that are very stressful and you don't have full control over its resolution, I, you do kind of want to throw yourself into work just to kind of like, I, I mean, can control this. Exactly. I have this. I have some control over something like that. But it, it was also like, okay, I think we start to see some sense of priorities here. So uh, did you did – the, are you still in therapy? Did that help? Did, are you the, fuller person now? Therapy did help. Um, I, I need to get back to it. I miss it I, dearly. No, I know. I, it's been about two, three years. I could yeah. probably really, really benefit from it. It's I, a little tune-up. I just like the, I like the guy that I had down here in L.A. because – he was kind of a nice Brooklyn Jew that kind of just put me in my place when I was getting kind of crazy. And they're not as easy to find in San Francisco. Right. They're in L.A. or Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> so, he would smack you and tell you, now have a sandwich. You're looking yeah. gaunt. Come on. It's like, Jesus Christ, listen to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but do you find now you don't seek that validation from the Internet at large, from employers? and I, I, I will have flare-ups. Yeah. Let's just say, you know uh, – yeah, I was curious who was interested in Lumberjack Man. I was curious who was interested in, um, in in the Kickstarter, but I'm more interested in getting that Kickstarter done. That is so much more satisfying to me than being told Adam, you did great in that Kickstarter. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I almost recoil sometimes when there's too much praise. I'm like, I don't want it anymore, because that is that that is the first hit is free. Wow. Yeah. All right. I love that. I love the journey. <laughs> I love it. Um, let's do very quickly. Let's do some questions yeah, from the sure. chat if we can, sure and then I'll set you free. Alex? Yes, MC2157 asked, uh, what do you realistically believe it will take for publishers to ship games that aren't completely broken? Um, For people to not expect games to be new and wildly different every time they ship. And I'm not not blaming the consumer, but this kind of synergy is kind of unhealthy. I mean, no publisher goes, oh, I can't wait to dump this on the public. Wait, Tony Hawk? The latest Tony Hawk. Okay, okay that, th- this came up on another podcast. That is a different story. Okay, uh, but I don't want to go into why. Because that I was exactly them dropping trow and shitting yeah. on the consumer. They're like, "We're going to lose Tony, so get it out, guys." I don't yeah. know. I don't blame. I mean, that's the thing. The, the, developer. the developers don't always do that. Right. I, it's it's games will be always imperfect at launch. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, I, I think that is the nature of the beast. There are some games that are more reliably going to be imperfect than others, and I think ma- the majority of those are open world games. There are too many X factors. That, you know, they're going to try to test the hell out of it. I think stuff like, say, from Naughty Dog, that's a little bit more contained. It's more of a closed system. Those are a little bit more reliable. But, you know, there, there's so many economic forces when a game is launched. It's not just the developer. And the publisher isn't a person. It isn't, it isn't Mr. Burns rubbing his hands together. It is a collection of people that have probably been arguing about what they're supposed to do. And then there's also shareholders who... 
many of whom don't give a rat's ass about a game. But they want to see that the revenue and the stock price is going up and there's something there. There's all these different influences that play into this. And it, it, it's not just like, it, 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 it's complex. It's unfortunate. But also, if we want to see innovation in games, we're going to have to take a little bit of, you know, some, 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 some rough around the edges. You know, I think for a lot of people, if you're really that worried about it, just wait two months. Right. Wait two months and you're probably going to see a more refined product. People get upset about the day one patch. I'm like, at least they recognize. Well, the, the, or, or, or the day one suck. Which one do you want? They know there's a <laughs> right. problem. They're trying to fix it. Right. <laughs> I don't know if going digital. The play the day one patch is like, oh, like, oh well, well, I don't want the antidote. Right. I wanted the poison. Well, part of the issue is still the, like, the notion of going gold. This, it's a really yeah. with digital distribution, and I know that's still only a very small segment as much as we want to believe it is, it, it is it's, the now. It, it's growing. It's growing, it's which growing. is phenomenal, yeah. and I'm fully digital now. Yeah. It's great. Me, me too. So, you know, phenomenal. I'll pay the luxury tax and not get to sell it later. Okay, fine. I'll go digital. But the fact that they have to ship code to be manufactured in bulk and distributed and packaged yeah. and delivered... Well, that, that means you're going to have a day one patch because in between that time, they're still working on the thing. Yeah, because it has to go through the certification, but there's certain standards for the certification, but then there can be improvements that happen. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, honestly, that, I, I kind of group that with kind of like the bundles and stuff like that. Like, complain about the day one patch. It's like, well, they're, they're, they're trying to make it better. Right. It's, you know, but once again, just as we were talking about earlier, stop looking for perfection. I think if we were trying to hold movies to the perfect, perfect standards that we're trying to hold games for, and this is because we talk about games as products and not as works of entertainment, mm -hmm. where like there's a little, it's a little bit more fungible there. That if we think of it like this is like no different than a toaster. Yes, if you get a toaster and it doesn't make my toast brown, you have a reason to be kind of cranky. You have failed at your purpose. I want a refund. But I mean, it's just look. There are times when there's a reason to be very upset with something that happens in the game industry. But it's harder and harder now to figure out where there's a legitimate gripe or where this is the only vernacular we can speak in is being pissed off and angry. Well said. Alex? Someone asked, so after G4, it sounded like you were kind of shooken up emotionally, but did you feel knocked down creatively? Uh, did you have a period when you didn't feel the need to create anything? Huh. I love that question because I think I did feel the need to create something, but I needed to create me. That I felt that there were perceptions of me that were out there because I knew there was shit that was being talked about me before they got rid of me. I wanted to kind of get in front of something that might start trailing out there onto the internet. And that's why I went just crazy on the pants thing. And I so actively used social media to kind of show myself like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not wearing pants. And that was very important for me emotionally to kind of go through that and think of like, I am, I am, I am not filled with confidence. That is, that, that is not the man I have ever been. I, I'm really, I'm only confident when I'm in front of the camera because I'm not thinking about myself when I'm working in front of the camera. But um, that was, I need, I need to create something. I need to feel like I'm engaged and there's an image of me out there and it's not one of a man who's been broken down and battered because I really couldn't tell what people, how I was regarded during that period of time. Uh, and, and as you alluded though, there's nothing you could do to control that. No, there so isn't. You, the one thing you... But, I was able to, I had a hashtag called pants. Right. It just worked. And it was just, it was like, it was my way of therapy. Right. No, exactly. The conversation is going to happen, but you can still, you have a voice in the conversation yeah, about exactly. yourself. And because you used it. I decided to have a different conversation right. called pants. Exactly. <laughs> Remember hashtag pants. Uh, let's do uh, one more, Alex, unless you've got two soul searchers, or can, you tell me. We can do one more. All right. 
uh, how was hosting the, Beth- the Bethesda live stream? Ah. Oh, man. We talked about that for moments yeah, before that we was, got going. That was awesome. Um, obviously, Morgan was there, and I was so excited to be doing that. One thing you guys don't know, but Kevin uh, knows the dude. The floor director from G4, Andy Cantola, he was brought back out of semi re- re- retirement And to be able to work with this guy who I adored and loved and I knew for so much of my career at the moment where I was very nervous. I mean, I was about to do something that, you know, this was the fir- this was the only time that first time could happen, and I sure didn't want this to you know <laughs> to, to 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 shit the bed. And it was just great. And I think my heart was beating. I was getting a little bit nervous, and then suddenly Morgan and I started talking, and it was like, oh yeah, I remember how this works. And it was just like words. I say them slipping and into I know, this. lady. I'll do and, that too. Great. And the interplay and the way in which we knew how to kind of give each other visual cues, you know, the other person was going to say something. I mean, it was, it was exhilarating. And also, I mean, I love everyone at Bethesda, but I was holding out to do something like this until a game of the magnitude of Fallout 4 that I felt was the proper level of drama <laughs> to, to, to suddenly do that. Yeah, that's a good time to come yeah. out and do it. Did you feel like ring rust? Were you concerned about that? Like when it first came, like the yeah. prompters come to life and even though we rehearsed it, like, oh, this is here and it's live. Yeah, it was just that, you know, it, it really was because for 15 years I didn't think about it. Yeah. And I'm suddenly having to be like, okay, what was it like? How do I do it? You know, this thing. Do that I make was the so diamond natural. with my hands? Yeah. Do I, mean, I interlock? What do I? How about this? Yep. Me. It's about me. <laughs> no, okay. Kids in theater don't do this. People don't do this when they're talking about themselves, honestly. <laughs> All right. <sighs> well, I'm glad it went well for you, sir. No, it was, it was, it was, a, so it was a joy to watch. And it, uh, every time uh, a convention rolls around or an event like that rolls around and I see the outpouring of, of love and praise and affection, real genuine shit that people felt for G4. I know. And they enjoyed it. It's always like a, a sweet – it's 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 – I have no idea where they were when it was on the air, right. but because trust me, we were not getting that love and praise. Yeah, no, but I think <laughs> so, you know to get it, it's just it's so hard. It's so like we, it's not it's. I'm searching for the words to say about it because it is. I such, think we were part of people's childhoods. Oh, and, we, I, and what was weird we is informed I, lives. I never realized that during the time. It was kind of like more like let's tread water and not drown. <laughs> that was kind of the way I was thinking about it. And ever so often we, we we would do a great thing, sure, and people would be happy. Yeah, you know, E3 would always be something very exciting. Okay, that worked like that. But yeah, I never really thought, man, there were people that were scheduling like their youths. I had around so, this channel the emails that I've received since of yeah. oh you got me through depression or some I, 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 I get quite a bit of that too. Gu- guided me through college or whatever. It's just it's it's no, it so amazing that we resonated. And so I, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think it's because when we were in the heyday, we were being genuine. Sure. And I think for the awkward, because you know I grew up an awkward kid. I'm not gonna make presumptions on you, but I'm gonna make presumptions. No, I'm still still yeah. an awkward kid. So. You know, and we were able to to express that and convey it in a setting that was aspirational for a lot of viewers. And you know, the the thought that I could have given comfort that for the other awkward kids out there, which I think is the majority of kids, it's like no, awkward kids can still make it here. I, you know, if there's anything I'm very glad that we could have imparted, it's exactly that. Right. And by the way, all kids are awkward. Even the cool fucking kids, yeah. they're awkward as shit. Yeah. They just don't know it, yeah. and that's what makes them seem cool. Exactly. That's just called sociopathy. Yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> well, and the study came out too that kids that are the popular ones between the ages of like 12 and 14 end up being rejects and burnouts yep. and no one fucking exactly. loves them. Yeah. You know, it's because it's usually the rebellious behavior. Awesome later in life. Yeah. Trust me, it is going to work to your advantage Amen. so far. It is such a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Don't burn bright, yeah, my exactly. friends. <laughs> Keep some tread on the tires. Well, you, sir, uh, have a lot of tread left, and I can see oh, that now. You. And I'm so happy that you're involved in things and, and helping make games and consult on games and doing movies with wigs. It's just fucking great to see. Yeah. Like, it well, really is. You. I'm so thank happy you. for well, you. Well, it's great to see you doing what you which you are so goddamn good at. I mean, I had always thought you were one of the greatest hosts Wasting I had ever bandwidth? seen. Wasting bandwidth? No, you were so goddamn good on TV. Thank you, sir. But I think there were circumstances that kept you from really demonstrating that. And here you are unfettered. Oh, yeah. Really showing like what I always knew was the, the Kevin Pereira I knew. Well, thank you. So I'm happy I, to I'm not have a net and appease 300 people at a time on yes. Twitch. <laughs> 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 oh, God. This is happy tears. Happy tears. How can people find out more about you and these projects, Adam? You're here. You're on the promo pony. Let's okay. ride it into the so, horizon. Once again, Kickstarter, Friday the 13th. Boom. Go there now. Just you know, copy the link, share it with friends, donate a little bit of money. Throw a please, couple please, bucks please, on please. That shit. I will love you for it. And you have no idea how much I appreciate that. Lumberjack man, get your friends over, watch it on your PS4 or on your Xbox. Mm -hmm. um, if you really care about me, the only and good way to find me is Twitter. I'm at Adam Sessler. Um, the only other ways is you pretty much have to yell at me on the street. Um, I think there's someone that looks like me on Facebook. I think someone from G4 made that oh. and got fired and it kind of got Donnie Brascoed and like, I have no way to access it. So it's just there. It's a dormant. Which is great because I don't want to touch it. Yeah. yeah. You don't need it. You don't need it. Adam Sessler on Twitter. Adam Sessler across the table from me. Such yes. a joy. This oh, is long overdue. I'm so glad you're yes, here. We did uh, at any point in the future, if I can help raise an ounce of awareness, let me know. But uh, You got it, man. Man. Such a pleasure to chat. All right. Thanks. Who'd you hate the most at G4? Just give me one name. Remember that guy who'd clean up stuff? That fucking guy. Yeah. That fucking guy. Okay, and then out of all the female talent, which one? Because that's the question I get all the time. Well, who's the one that... Uh... Ladyface? Yeah. Ladyface. Yeah, I know Lady what you're face. talking about. Okay, yeah. I'm glad we asked that. We stopped the recording, right? Good, because I, I don't want people to be like, yeah. oh, Gamergate on us. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. All right.